Hi, I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of November 2021, is once again that very special time of the month wherein we do our very special Catching Up on Blu-ray episode. Uh, If you're not familiar with the episode format, essentially a Catching Up on Blu-ray uh, is where we take a look at the physical like physical media release calendar. Uh, so that would be DVDs, Blu-rays, and 4K discs. Uh, and just say a little something about any titles that catch our eye. Uh, and in joining me in this endeavor, I have my good buddy Brad uh, from the Cinema Speak podcast. How's it going, Brad? Oh, it's going great. Thanks again for having me on. Uh, big month for you know physical media lovers, not only in the new releases, but... A lot of sales going on this week, so uh, you know, a lot of money being spent, at least on my end. I don't know about you. I, I have not quite fully opened my wallet. Uh, I've I've pre-ordered a couple of titles, which I think are currently in transit. So that gives you an idea of when this episode was recorded. Um, but yeah, I have noticed the the influx of deals, and it's like, ooh, that's that's mighty tempting. Uh, there's oh, yeah. there's a lot of good stuff out there. Uh, and we only have so much money to spend, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately, yeah, yeah. But uh, any uh, any particular distributors that you've been uh, tapping into uh, in the recent weeks? Uh, when um, all these weeks, these all all these deals have been going down. I still, I'm actually planning on placing my Criterion order later tonight. Um, I did get a bunch of 4Ks from Best Buy. They had a pre black friday deals kind of thing going on which is nice so i got got to get in there before black friday didn't have to go out on thanksgiving or whatever um actually ended up making two trips for that and then uh vinegar syndrome is uh thursday at uh midnight my time what would be uh 8 p.m no uh, 9 p.m your time and uh that's gonna be big and then severin is having their sale at the same time i might pass on severin's we'll wait and see but there's just too much money being spent that Severin might get bumped. I don't know. All right. Well, let me know how that pans out because yeah. uh, it, it is deal time. Uh, so I I would not blame you if you just ended up saying, fuck it. We're doing it live. We're going with Severin. We're doing Criterion. We're doing Arrow. We're doing Shout. We're doing all this shit. That's probably what's going to happen, yeah. Everybody it's, in the pool. <laughs> it's in, today on Facebook, Shout, or I guess it was maybe Scream Factory, posted that they're having a uh, – a, a, a box set sale where their box sets are on sale. And I told myself, um, I told myself when next time that Friday, the 13th set dips below a hundred dollars, I was going to buy it. I was like, you know what? I'm going to regret it if I don't get it. And of course it's below a hundred dollars. And I'm like, Oh, fuck. I, I promised myself I would do it. I promised myself. Well, you know, Brett, I don't blame you. Cause that I've, I've been saying this since that was announced that, is a handsome package. I know uh, that that Friday the Thirteenth box is absolutely gorgeous. Um, in fact, it, it's it's almost painful to think that it's like we have that, but some of these other like slasher franchises, it's like why can't we just do that to all these? Because like every they all deserve that treatment because mm-hmm. it, it really is a fantastic package. Um, it's it's just a wonderful display piece. And on top of that, if if you're like me. Uh, the movies are actually kind of fun. <laughs> like I actually kind of enjoy those movies. They're to me those are like 
really good turn off your brain slasher movies because like a halloween movie a lot of those i actually find myself getting involved with like i actually care about what's happening i actually care about the dialogue a friday the 13th it's just like look up when you hear an orchestra sting or or somebody getting squished yeah (laughs) they know the formula yeah every 10 to 15 minutes there will be boobs or blood or both (laughs) but um in the words of uh, michael keaton you want to get nuts come on (laughs) let's get nuts Uh, so that's brad's philosophy for uh, black friday deals uh with his uh, blu-ray and 4k purchasing habits yeah um but that being said uh we should probably transition into the uh, show proper uh so folks at home if you'd like to follow along with the home version of catching up on blu-ray uh you can do so by navigating to the lovely website uh, blu-ray.com and just head to the release date calendar, the release date section of the website, uh, and just navigate to November 2021. And also, if you're not familiar uh, with the release schedule for physical media generally, uh, it occurs on Tuesdays of each calendar week. Uh, so we'll announce the dates as we go, but it looks like our first proper release date in November, which is a five-Tuesday month, by the way, uh, falls on November 2nd. Uh, and right out the gate, as is customary, we have some of our 4K discs, and uh, we have the Indiana Jones 4 movie collection uh, from Paramount Pictures. Uh, this is, of course, the uh, Steven Spielberg and Harrison Ford, well, and George Lucas was involved as well. Uh, action franchise, classic action franchise, and funny enough, uh, we here at Catching Up on Cinema just kind of did a comprehensive review of these, so the timing is kind of perfect. Um, Brad, do you think you're going to be uh, opening your wallet for this one? Yeah, I've been thinking about it. Um, I will say the one that's coming out this week is a steelbook, and I believe the original release came out already. Um, I haven't popped on it yet. Uh, probably the next urge that I have to uh, watch these films, I will uh, probably spend the money. Uh, it just you know makes me feel sad, though, because it's like, how many times did I watch the Blu-ray set that I bought, which is a gorgeous set? Like, I probably watched each film maybe, let's say twice if I'm being generous. I know it's not true. I, I pro- I'll be lucky if I watched them all once, but we'll say twice to be generous. Um, but yeah, you know, you got to upgrade. If you're questioning it, you got to upgrade. You got to buy. Yeah, and it's especially important to note, uh, folks at home, neither Brad nor I are steelbook collectors. Uh, so this particular edition would probably not be the one we'd go with anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I, I have watched my disc, my Blu-rays of the Indiana Jones collection, uh, more than twice, uh, largely in preparation for the masterclass we did of the franchise. Cause I wanted to be thorough with that. And I really, really had a grand old time, uh, watching some of the making of featurettes on the bonus disc in that set. Um, but because it's so fresh in my mind, it's like, I, I, as much as I adore most of these movies, Kingdom of the Crystal, <laughs> Kingdom of the Crystal Skull aside, <laughs> um, I I don't see myself uh, picking up the 4K upgrade uh, anytime soon. So it uh, maybe someday, but for now I'm good. But um, moving on to uh, an actual contemporary release, so one for actually from November, uh, we have uh, one that was kind of a critical darling uh, for the past several months. Uh, we have Pig. Uh, from 2021, starring Nicolas Cage. This is from Decal Releasing. I, I'm not familiar with them, uh, but this was directed by Michael Sarnowski, and I don't know about you, Brad, but I've heard nothing but amazing things about this movie. Yeah, um, I, I did check it out already. It is uh, quite good. Um, not like 
I don't know. I w- it wasn't like a you know a perfect movie or anything like that, um, but I did find it uh, pretty uh, engaging and pretty uh, emotionally affecting in a certain way, and um, very quiet, contemplative film. But it's uh, it's pretty solid. It's more than you think with the premise of a man has his pig stolen and goes out for revenge. It's definitely a lot more introspective than you might think. It's like a quiet version of John Wick, I guess you could say. Um, yeah, the the marketing went to great lengths to kind of frame it as taken but with a pig. Yeah. Um, it's like I I have had at least a little bit of it spoiled for me to the point that it's like, okay, I, I know it's not that kind of movie. So I, thankfully, I, I if, like, if and when I get around to watching it, I won't have those misguided expectations going in. Um, but yeah, it's funny actually. I was introduced uh, to somebody a while back, and uh, like over dinner, they they found out I I had a movie podcast, and they asked me, "So, what was your favorite film of 2021, and why was it Pig?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Damn, okay, I guess they're pretty up on Pig." Uh, but I I still haven't gotten around to seeing it. I think my brother uh, sp- spoke highly of it, so that means I probably got commit some time to checking it out. But yeah. uh, I don't know I'm going to be blind buying this, but it's definitely on my to-do list uh, right quick. Yeah, I mean, I would kind of agree with uh, whoever that person you met is, uh, because I would say it is one of the best films of the year so far. But that is more just to say how terrible 2021 has been for cinema, um, more than to say that Pig is amazing. Uh, any other year, <laughs> this probably wouldn't even be getting close to my top ten. But uh, in this year, I mean, this we we got a, right now a potential top five contender. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, so folks at home, if you're not aware of Brad's uh, Cinema Speak podcast, uh, you do like an annual wrap up, like kind of like an awards show, basically. Correct. Yeah. It's the whole reason any of this exists is so I can make a list. <laughs> I just love lists. That's every year. I'm like, the only reason I talk about movies for a full year is so I can do a list at the end of it. So, yeah, it's my. It's well, all I. It's all I have to live for. <laughs> hey, man, organizing things into lists, organizing collections. It somehow it's invigorating. I don't know exactly where the energy comes from, but whenever you're in it, like whenever you're seriously committed to like arranging things just so it just feels so good well, yeah we're really psychoanalyzing <laughs> me on this uh episode so far yeah we're really getting down into why i collect blu-rays why i review movies there's some deep-seated thing down here i mean i think we've been at this for a couple like at least a year a couple years now brad and i feel like this this happens like this is just a, a gradual chipping away process for you like I, I feel like we have these these casual reveals every once in a while yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's probably better to just acknowledge them and make it known that it's like i am aware i know what you're trying to do <laughs> stop it but, but yeah i'm looking forward to like seeing and well, hearing how that that award show goes down because uh some of, some of the criteria you come up with is uh, pretty creative, to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. I have fun with that. I have fun with that. Yeah, and I'm I'm crossing my fingers that uh, Wrath of Man doesn't end up topping your 2021 list because <laughs> I mean it was it was a fine film, but again that just kind of speaks to what we what we're working with <laughs> for the past 12 months. Yeah, I don't think it'll be topping the list anymore, but uh it's going to take a miracle to knock it out of the top 10. And that's again just commenting on uh how terrible 2021 was in cinema. 
I mean, fair enough. It is what it is. But uh, moving on, uh, we have a 4K release of The Guns of Navarone uh, from 1961. Uh, This is, of course, headlined by one Gregory Peck. I believe this is debuting on the format. Um, And I'm looking at the disc specs on Blu-ray.com, and it looks like it's performing favorably. Uh, This is kind of like a a classic World War II movie as far as I understand. Although, funny enough, I haven't seen The Guns of Navarone, but I have seen its, uh, I guess, little-known sequel, uh, Force 10 from Navarone. I didn't Um, even know that existed. Precisely. (laughs) Um, uh, If if memory serves, I think it's like Harrison Ford and Robert Shaw or something. Really? Yeah, I, I saw it on TV when I was a little kid, and I was like, I thought that was the good one. It's like, no. Are you are you fucking idiot? Like it's 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 the guns of Navarone. That's the Navarone movie everybody knows. That's the that's the Navarone movie that your your dad and your grandpa tell you about. The Force Ten from Navarone. Who the fuck is that? <laughs> but yeah, that was that was the movie I knew, and I thought it was fun. But yeah. um, this this one's supposed to legit be the the classic. The other one's just kind of like eh, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but, I'd like to check it out. Uh, don't know too much about it other than you know just being known as a classic and i gotta say that cover artwork leaves a lot to be desired like yeah i agree with you wholeheartedly brad that's that's something i'd like to focus more on with some of these catching up on blu-rays is cover art and packaging because as we said about the friday the 13th scream factory box uh, aesthetics matter man especially if you're a collector like like you want to put things on your shelf that you feel proud of and looking at the cover art for this one especially considering the film's reputation it's like come on man like i, I could go on fiverr and and like just hire some random kid to, to do a much better photoshop job than what we got here yeah. at least it would be creative or, or if they're if they're, if they're a zoomer, at least it would have like a purple tinge to it or something, <laughs> or some sort of neon backlighting or something on the figures uh, yeah. to make it eye-catching. But yeah, this just looks lazy. It it does the job, but it, it looks like just a bunch of cardboard cutout heads slapped onto some stock photos of fire. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it reminds me of, uh, what was that, uh, the Roland Emmerich movie Midway? I'm getting Midway vibes from that cover. I don't know why, but... Uh... Just did, it looks low budget trash. Did you end up seeing that one, Brad? I did. Yeah, I saw it in theaters. <laughs> How was it? Um, I didn't like it. I I'm, I think I reviewed it. I'm pretty sure that's why I saw it. I hope I reviewed it. Good lord, it was not good. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I did not have high hopes for that one. I was just like, moreover, I just kind of was scratching my head and asking why, <laughs> like why now, like like. I feel like World War Two as a as a moment, like as the timeline continues to march forward, that there there certainly was a time in, in our lifetimes where it was very in vogue uh, to to frame your story amidst World War Two. But in more recent years, I feel like we've largely moved past it, or at least moved beyond it to some extent. Like at one point, I don't know what the fuck happened, but there was just this event this culminating event where everybody got really interested in world war one for some reason (laughs) i don't know what the fuck happened there brad it's like we got wonder woman we got a fucking battlefield game we got all sorts of world war one shit we got the peter jackson restored documentary film all like within the span of two three years it's like why was this piece of shit war on everybody's mind all of a sudden it's probably just because world war two was just so ubiquitous 
like yeah. across video games and movies and television for so long that maybe producers got tired of it or something but like hey let's do we haven't done anything with that first war let's try that first war let's make something with that first war let's do the one with the the horses yeah let's let's, (laughs) uh let's put baby cover batch on a horse and make him go and be brave be brave be brave that's literally all i know about war horse that was a movie that happened i think that was a spielberg in fact yeah 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 never saw it never will (laughs) (laughs) moving on uh new york ninja from vinegar syndrome uh comes with a magnet class box limited edition uh brad I think I spoke with you about this a while back. Maybe not. Maybe it wasn't recorded, but I seem to remember you mentioning this one having like an interesting production history or something. Yeah, let me see if I can remember. It's basically, and uh, I th- I could be wrong on this. I remember I when it had first come out and was first announced. I remember all the details, but basically it was like an unfinished film from I don't know, like the eighties or whatever. And uh, they basically Vinegar Syndrome came in and restored it finished it like added in i'm pretty sure there was like no sound for the whole so all the sound is new added um i don't know if they shot anything new or they just uh had all the footage and they just had to add in all the sounds and edit everything together i don't remember all the details on that but vinegar syndrome you know kind of put everything together first time they've done that to that extent and uh yeah i've been you know hearing that it's a lot of fun a lot of really positive things about uh the film in terms of film restoration and i know it's been playing uh theatrically in major cities for a little while and uh yeah i don't know this kind of movie not totally up my alley exactly but i uh am interested in it just because i do love vinegar syndrome and just uh it's a uh, it's an interesting little uh you know experiment not, not not even experiment uh just kind of like a thing it's an interesting little thing i guess what's the word i'm looking for i don't know no, this is a, a fascinating undertaking on the part of uh, the producers behind the disc, honestly, uh, because as Brad had said, it, as far as I understand, this was like an unfinished film. And um, if memory serves, they actually recruited um, some like marsh, like schlock martial arts talent, like from from kind of like the same subgenre of film that this film would have wanted to fit into. Uh, like Cynthia Rothrock, for instance, is listed in the credits. I think she was recruited strictly to do voiceover work for the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with like Don the Dragon Wilson and uh, Vince Murdaco. Uh, as far as I understand, they actually went out of their way to seek out like legit talent from from the 80s and 90s era of like direct-to-video martial arts schlock, and they brought them into like a, a sound booth just to add the sco- like add the voice cast to the film. Uh, so this is clearly like a, a production made with love. Like, like you can tell the thing was intended for the waste bin, but somebody grabbed it out of there and decided to breathe new life into it. So, the, part of me wants to say this is like an attempt to like, I don't know, do another like Miami connection or something. Where like that movie was very very successful, as far as I understand, on like on the direct to video circuit um, in this uh, boutique label. Uh, landscape that we currently exist in um so it's always neat when you see things like this happen where it's just like uh, something that never would have been seen by anybody is now going to be seen by five thousand people (laughs) (laughs) which is cool you know and and also just the fact that they they put so much time and effort into doing it right 
Like even like spending more effort than the people who actually shot the damn thing. Probably that's really cool. But um, bopping along, uh, we got our uh, customary monthly releases of the Disney Movie Club exclusive discs. Um, so as as I understand it, as Brad had told me, uh, basically these are Blu-ray discs that are only obtainable via a Disney subscription service called the Disney Movie Club. Uh, so these are limited in quantity. There, you can only obtain them through the like the subscription format. So I imagine a lot of these end up on eBay. Uh, for exorbitant prices, but we have a uh, Melody Time from 1948 and Make Mine Music from 1946, and I didn't see any others for this month, but I'll I'll call them out if I see them and, as we work our way through the list. But uh, uh, Brad, let me kick it over to you. What what jumps at you? Um, well, we got a Paramount Presents release of uh, is it is it the Sheik? Is that how you pronounce that? The Sheik? I mean, if we're talking Iron Sheik, then yes. That would be how you would say that. <laughs> Which uh, I don't have anything to say about, but, you know, I do uh, I do like Paramount Presents. Uh, they've had some issues in terms of their uh, picture quality and their transfers on a few releases, but I love the, the care that Paramount is putting into these and just, you know, releasing a major studio, releasing a film from 1921 on Blu-ray in this nice set, certainly uh, worth commending them for. Um, they're kind of, you know, trying to somewhat trick uh people into thinking they're part of a boutique market even though they are just a division of a major studio but you know good on them and then uh you know they've got a we got a three-way uh three a three film set of uh the uh, desperado trilogy um el mariachi desperado once upon a time in mexico which i do like two of those films um and uh i'll just leave that up to uh everybody to decide which two <laughs> might not be hard but uh, maybe i don't know um i will say though only two discs on this one only two discs really yeah and i don't know uh how it's divided because i i don't know if i had to guess el mariachi is probably on the desperado disc yeah because like i don't imagine even like restored el mariachi is gonna look particularly amazing like i don't know how much bit rate you could get out of that um and i, I could be wrong but maybe the run the runtime on it's not terribly long mm-hmm. um but yeah uh, once upon a time in mexico is the stinker of the group if you ask me um it's no comment no comment <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh i Desperado is fucking awesome, though. Like, mm-hmm. I, I defy anyone who who says otherwise. That that movie has a lot going for it. In particular, I I love the, I think it was Robert Rodriguez and Tito and Tarantula uh, did the the score for the film. There's a couple of pieces in there that are just fucking awesome, um, and just it it's like all the good parts of a Robert Rodriguez production. It's like all the things I like to see on display when we're when we're dealing with him, like. I don't know that I've I've really watched any of his his more recent output because he just doesn't seem to be picking projects that that really jump out at me personally. Like Alita, like Battle Angel, I I watched the anime like the the OVA when I was young, like renting anime from Blockbuster and stuff. So I knew the story and I I knew the art style and stuff. So I kind of had an idea of what to expect. And from a technological and aesthetic standpoint, I was interested in that. But when I when I heard like so much bad about it, I was like, oh, it sounds like they really did kind of just do what they did with the OVA, and basically that's just like a sliver of the story from the comic. 
such that's like why even bother unless you know you're going to be making multiple sequels um but spy kids and all that stuff i just never had the time of day for but uh this this is a this is a box that i i would be tempted to pick up but at the same time it's just like you know honestly the only disc that would ever get repeated like get put in my player more than once would be desperado and beyond that it's just like why do i even have these other (laughs) (laughs) yeah um i did look uh these three have never been packaged on blu-ray together before um but that's something they did uh have a double feature this like 10 years old now of uh el mariachi and desperado so i don't know if it's the same disc as that one from 2011 i don't know if there's any new transfers here or whatnot but uh yeah i don't know i definitely uh have oh i've got a hankering to go back to these films every so often and uh desperado uh was one of the uh films really the first and only so far where I watched the whole movie, watched it thinking it was a first time watch. I've never seen this movie before. And then I uh, go to log it on Letterboxd and it says, you watched this movie three years ago. And I said, I did. I don't remember that at all. And it was very scary. Something, it was was not a good feeling. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know why Desperado of all films would register with you that way. Like that it would go in, in one ear and out the other, but I mean, we're, I don't, you're younger than me, Brad. You're not supposed to be doing stuff like that just yet, man. <laughs> well, and, like, there were moments where I was like, oh, I've seen that. That must have been, I saw the trailer. Like, I kind of vaguely, I was like, I kind of remember that shot. Um, but I was just like, oh, I think, because, is this the film where there's that gif of him where he, like, leans? But No, that's a different one, which. I, that is Assassins. Okay. Um, yeah, but I was thinking Antonio maybe, Banderas and Sylvester Stallone in Assassins. Yeah, but I was thinking maybe like, have I seen this in like GIF format? Maybe I don't recognize that from something online. But it's like no, those like brief blips of where I was like, I kind of recognize that just because I've seen the movie. There's so many memorable little like just images. Not even not even like I could not really tell you a whole lot about the characterization or the narrative of Desperado, but just from a from an audiovisual standpoint, that's that's mostly where the the awesomeness comes from. Like again, I said the the score was awesome. The soundtrack on top of that's awesome. There's that uh Pass the Hatchet song that I've always attributed like I've always associated that song with Twen- Quentin Tarantino. Like I can I cannot look at him without hearing ooh Like, I just hear that in the background, like, during interviews. Yeah. <laughs> like, anytime I see his face and I hear his speech cadence, I just hear that, too. <laughs> so that that was a wonderful use of music, like, matching it with the energy of the actor. And, of course, he has his weird monologue with Cheech Marin. Um, we have a, a mute Danny Trejo throwing uh, cross-shaped knives at people. We got Salma Hayek in the mid-90s when stuff like that was really important to Trevor. (laughs) Then even like Antonio Banderas, like the way he uses his pistols, like he doesn't just shoot people. He like whips them. Mm -hmm. Like He's like cracking whips, but with pistols. (laughs) It's like, he just decided to do that. That It's like, what is that? Does that make the bullet fly faster or something? (laughs) It's fucking awesome. It's like, it's one of those acting things that you don't, you don't see in movies very much anymore. I, I want to say because there's like people on the set advisors 
people on the clock. They're getting paid quite handsomely to tell people to not do stupid shit like that with <laughs> with with potentially dangerous props. <laughs> No, because, like, you look at, like, action movies from the 80s and 90s, like, Lethal Weapon stuff. Danny Glover has no fucking clue how to hold a gun. <laughs> but he's doing some acting shit with that. You know, he's, like, making it a prop. And same with Mel Gibson. He's he's doing some wonky shit with his handguns. But it's that acting shit that you got to do. It's like you make use of the props in the room. And thank God for Antonio Banderas and his, his whip-cracking pistols. Which, by the way... It's not a great film, but The Expendables 3, when they brought him back for that one, like he was, he did some, he and Wesley Snipes both were just like, you know what? I'm going to show that I'm a fucking actor. It's like, I know it's the Expendables. Yeah, it's like, I know it's The Expendables 3, but I'm going to show up everybody here. Even Kelsey Grammer kind of gave a shit. That was kind (laughs) of cool. Like, I I was happy with his screen time. But what Antonio does is like, he actually, I think, did some of the same kind of weird shit with his gun handling in that film that made me me very happy mm-hmm. brad on the other hand can't remember if he's seen the movie twice or once or three times <laughs> well i'll never forget that i've seen it now and it's i've been shocked into remembering it <laughs> well maybe now is the time to revisit it but now i've talked myself like halfway into buying this right yeah now. i'm kind of oh, i kind of do want to watch this movie again it's, yeah it's been a really long time for me personally like like I was I was living at my parents' house last time I watched this, so uh, it's been a minute. But yeah, may, maybe I'll end up picking this up just, just for funsies or something. But let's move on. Uh, so we have uh, the Randolph Scott Western Collection. Not sure who Randolph Scott is, but he's got a collection. Uh, we've got our first Criterion release of the month. We have La Strada from 1954. Uh, this is a Fellini film, a Federico Fellini film. Uh, this is not one that is known to me, but as we tend to say on the show, if it's put out by Criterion, it is probably worth your time. Uh, we have the Sex in the City, the complete collection. Never seen the show, but actually hear mostly good things. Uh, it does have a very large cultural footprint, uh, so I will not shit on Sex in the City, despite what you might expect. I just have never seen it and have no reason to buy it um but moving on we have homebodies 1974 from kino uh brad's favorite uh ten dollar distributor (laughs) (laughs) love their sale prices yeah brad loves him a kino sale Uh, in fact he did a uh an unboxing video on the cinema speak youtube channel not too long ago that was a a very fun watch i hope you uh, have yourself another uh kino unboxing sometime soon but Thank you, Not thank sh- you. Uh, are you familiar with this uh, Homebodies film? Uh, no, I kind of vaguely remember when they announced it, but I, I have no uh, real idea what this is uh, about. I, isn't the cast somewhat notable? Aren't there a few people in here? Well, let's take a look. We have... Uh... Maybe not. <laughs> uh, yeah, Brad. Yeah. <laughs> I just pulled up the, the entry here on Blu-ray.com. Not one name is familiar to me. Uh, actually, some of the writers look somewhat familiar, but the cast is a total mystery to me. So sorry, homebodies. I have no fucking clue what you're all about, but thanks, Kino, for putting it out. Uh, we also have Paw Patrol, colon, the movie, from 2021. Uh, I don't have that many friends that have little ones, like little kids, um, but I am keenly aware that Paw Patrol is a fucking phenomenon, um, it's a 
massive children's entertainment franchise and it's only fitting that it would end up with a theatrical feature um i know nothing about paw patrol but i just think it's funny that it's like as long as there's children's programming there will always there will always be a children's show that ends up getting enough juice behind it uh to get a a feature-length film that parents will be forced to drag their children out to Mm -hmm. yeah I, I have um, nothing to say on Paw Patrol if you're looking for a... <laughs> oh, I, I am amazed I said that much, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, I will pass the baton to you and uh, let you uh, have the reins for a bit. So what what's jumping out at you, Brad? Boy, let's see. We got the, uh, the Spider-Woman Strikes Back. That's another Kino release. Um, I don't have much to say about it. Uh, Secret of the Blue Room. Uh, boy, um... <laughs> The Beast Must Die. L- a lot of stuff. Uh, this uh, this is a weaker week and a strong month, I gotta say. <laughs> no, that's fair, but keep on going until you find something you actually want to talk about. Uh, let's see, we got The Mad Doctor. I mean, Scream, but uh, I think we've already talked about that last month. Oh, w- yeah, we went on a fucking tear about <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. said a lot about Scream, like way more than probably most people have said in the past six months. Yeah. Um, boy, I mean, there's a movie called, uh, Come True from 2020, so it is a, uh, current, somewhat current release, uh, being put out by Shout Factory, looks like a horror film of sorts, and, uh, I gotta say, I have not heard about this, I don't think. Let me, uh, read the plot description real quick, because it is from 2020, it's an IFC, uh, and Shout Factory release. Uh, a teenage runaway takes part in a sleep study that becomes a nightmarish descent into the depths of her mind and a frightening examination of the power of dreams. Uh, starring no one you've ever heard of and directed by Anthony Scott Burns, who is also working his way to being someone you've heard of. <laughs> it sounds like trash to me, gotta be honest. Uh, yeah, I don't have high hopes for that one. The cover art is trying. That's um, not bad. It, it's it, not it's bad. not bad. It's just it. It's a uh, maybe a little too vague to the point that's like I need some more explicit imagery to clue me in on on what this is about. Because like the color palette's there, it it's got a little something going for it, but nothing that seems extraordinary by any measure. But uh, what else we got here, Brad? You're absolutely right, though. This is kind of a flimsy week uh, in an otherwise much more interesting month. The, the Crown, season four. Love The Crown. I'm obsessed with the Royals after watching The Crown. Highly recommend that. When's the uh, next season uh, due out? Uh, I think they're filming it right now, or they're in post-production. It's 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 a little ways off, I think. Um, now, all I know of The Crown comes from listening to the Cinema Speak podcast, but... Um, did I hear correct from you that they uh, part of the gimmick is that they actually recast everybody every season? Every two seasons. So you every get two seasons. Two seasons with the young Elizabeth, two seasons where she's, you know, middle aged, and then two seasons uh, for the final two seasons she'll be uh, elderly. So it's a I think it's a good gimmick. I like it. Yeah, uh, who they got right now, or at least who's up for the the season that's currently filming uh the one they're currently filming uh it's she's gonna be the first elderly season um and it's uh, i can't think of the actress's name but uh you've seen the harry potter movies the actress who plays uh professor umbridge i think it's like imelda staunton or something like that 
I I haven't seen the Harry Potter films, uh, so I I can't follow along with that. But I'll take your word. She's for a it. face you might recognize. She's a she pops up in British films quite often. Okay, um, but uh, yeah, and then Olivia Coleman did the middle aged Queen Elizabeth, who from the favorite, and she's been in a bunch of stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's a I never thought I would really get into the show, and I just gave it a poke, and I was hooked. I, I think it's I think it's fantastic. Well, that's awesome, man. Like I I. I am still on the lookout for for a show that I can really sink my teeth into and get excited about because I've noticed that's like a thing that I just don't do very often. It's like, man, I'm jealous of all y'all. Mm-hmm. But um, moving right along, uh, we have uh, number one from 1969 starring uh, Charlton Heston. This is a Scorpion releasing disc. Uh, we have three seasons of the Yellowstone show, which I've... I, depending on who you ask, they'll either tell you it's awesome or it's a turd. Probably uh, depends no on their age as well. I would, I would. Guess. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Hit, hitting a certain demographic uh, right in the bullseye, if you know what I mean. Oh yeah, no kidding. Kevin Costner, um, his fans know who they are. <laughs> um, but we have a 2021 release of something called Zone Four One Four. Uh, with Guy Pierce, I, I actually couldn't tell from the cover art uh, that that was Guy Pierce, but it is in fact Guy Pierce, and it's got the uh, millennial purple lighting on it, so it uh, looks like a sci-fi something or other. But we also have uh, just below that uh, season three of Jack Irish, which apparently also stars Guy Pierce. So busy week for him. Uh, we have a Shuddy Shutter original. Uh, which I always have to poke Brad about because he has an on-again, off-again relationship with the Shutter service. Uh, so I'm always curious how many of these things he's even aware of. Uh, we have a Shutter original called The Banishing from 2021. Yeah, uh, literally have never heard of this. Uh, okay, moving Shutter, on. <laughs> you gotta, you got to advertise these things. I, I was just looking at the cast. You got Sean Harris in here. Sean Harris. Not, not Sean Harrison. Sean Harris is in here. Let me rephrase that. Sean Harris in here. <laughs> Huge uh, yeah. star. Star it, of the Mission Impossible franchise. Star. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> the the top headlining star. <laughs> the only reason people go see those movies is for him. <laughs> uh, but below that, uh, we have Kung Fu, the complete first season from 2021. So I guess uh, we've resurrected the Kung Fu television franchise. And now we got a lady. Instead of one of the Carradines. Um, cool. Uh, we have Trading Places from 1983. I have to imagine that's a re-release. Yeah, um, uh, it came out recently in the Paramount Presents uh, line. And I don't know if this is just a standard release of it. I don't know. Okay, well, um, I am tempted to skip to the next week here. Because we have a whole heap of anime titles. Which, uh, again, folks at home, if you're not aware of how we generally approach uh, the Catching Up on Blu-ray format. There's a lot of anime that comes out uh, every month, and I, I'm very far out of the loop such that I don't really know what's a big deal and what's not. Uh, so if we skip over your very favorite Japanese animated title that is released this month, uh, my apologies, but that may very well be the case here. But um, I'll just note that there is something called Chernobyl 1986 from 2021, and honestly, really, the only reason I'm mentioning it is because it came out uh, in 2021. Um, also, uh, something called The East, 
from Magnolia Pictures. Apparently this film is from 2020 and only reason I'll bring it up is uh, my, my girlfriend's Dutch and this is apparently about a Dutch soldier in World War II. So uh, maybe, I'll, maybe I need to do some homework and check that one out because apparently it takes place in World War II in Indonesia and concerns a Dutch soldier. Uh, so yeah, I'm actually actually trying at this point uh, to catch up on some Dutch cinema. Uh, it's kind of a pet project of mine. Uh, but yeah, let's bop on down to next week because it, it's just full of re-releases and, and anime as far as I can tell. So yeah. we have November 9th, and our first title is a 4K release of The Outsiders, uh, the complete novel edition. Uh, so this is something that Brad and I have talked about uh, seemingly every month for the past several months. <laughs> uh, the idea of um, multiple editions of uh, films. Uh, so, in fact, we did a Tales from the Shelf episode that was just about uh, the different editions of films that we have in our collections. And uh, this is a Francis Ford Coppola film, which, being as it's a Coppola, uh, there now exists multiple versions of this film. Uh, this is apparently a, a, a much longer version of the film with a different, like a rearranged soundtrack. Uh, originally, it was scored by his own father. Um, originally he, he had intended to do it with like a classical score of some sort. Um, but he decided against it, uh, at the time of orig- original release. But this is basically supposed to be a more comprehensive version of the, of the film because it's adapted from a book, which I had to read in high school. Uh, so it's basically just featuring all, like all the scenes that were cut, uh, from the original theatrical release. Um, this is not a film that I, I would be rushing out the gate to revisit, um, however, if you just take a second to look at the cast of this movie, um, it's it's utterly remarkable. Like, like it's it's insane. Some of the big names they got in here, especially like the timing of when they grabbed them. It's like, man, you you could not have gotten half of those people if you waited two years. Um, but I did watch this film in high school. I read the book around the same time, and uh, I I remember it for the most part. Uh, Brad, do you have any connection to The Outsiders? No, I've got no connection. Um, I remember some people in my grade reading it for school, but whatever teacher I had said, fuck that, and we read something else, I guess, because I never read it. Um, Well, I guess we should say it it does have the new cut, but also it has the uh, theatrical cut as well. That's Um, handy. Both are included, because I've never seen the movie, so if I were to pop on this, I would want to watch the theatrical first, and... uh, I feel like it's one I should see. I mean, it's not like a bona fide classic, but certainly with that cast and the the director, like you know, there's, I owe it to myself to check this out at some point. Yeah, it's it's not a bad film. Like it's actually quite good. It's just I I remember it fairly well. Um, and <laughs> I was I'm not gonna lie, I still have a bit of bad taste to wash out of my mouth. Uh, the last time I watched a Coppola film, which of course was his uh his second jab, his second attempt at uh, trying to get The Godfather 3 to work. And, uh, yeah, I, I didn't come away from that thinking it was a worthwhile effort, even though it took 20, 30 years to get to. Um, I have a feeling this version of the film, this this Outsiders, is more what I was hoping that that, that Godfather film would have been because it does sound like it's substantially different. And and that's always that's always the big thing when it comes to different editions of films for me anyway is that if it's not substantially different then why am I watching it like like mm-hmm. why are you asking me to pay full ticket price to to watch it 
Like, um, I, I went out to the theater to watch Sylvester Stallone's um, Rocky Four colon Rocky versus Drago, the ultimate director's cut. Oh, Sylvester Stallone presents, by the way. So the yes. whole the whole title of the film is a paragraph. <laughs> um, I went out to the theater to watch that and I actually found it to be different enough. Like enough changes were made, enough additions were made to it. It actually felt like, you know, this this was mostly worthwhile. I don't think it's better than the theatrical edition of that film, but it is different. And honestly, if 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 that's all if that's the minimum you could ask for from a different edition of a film, then I think that's that's fine, but I actually, I don't think I'm going to be buying The Outsiders right now, but I wouldn't be surprised if like, when it's like on super duper sale or something, I might swipe it just because I, I do have kind of an obsession when it comes to checking out different versions of films. Um, but moving right along, uh, we have L.A. Story uh, from, I mean, the color palette actually did make me think Lionsgate a little bit. Oh. So I'm kind of it doesn't have a gun on the cover though which which is the tip off uh, that you're you're about to ingest a uh, Lionsgate um but this is a 30th anniversary of LA story uh, from 1991 with uh, Steve Martin this the way this is advertised and positioned on the catalog suggests to me I should know this movie Brad but I'm shocked I don't think I do uh, Yeah I I don't know it either I, the you know, the artwork, I mean, it does say 30th anniversary, but just the artwork almost makes it seem like they're trying to trick you into thinking it's a modern day film for some Absolutely. reason. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I guess it is a Lionsgate film, uh, or Lionsgate release at the very least. So you you were right on your money there. You were right to go with your gut. They they do that washed out thing a lot. Yeah. Like like oversaturated, washed and washed out at the same time. It's a it's a it's a look, Brad. <laughs> it's gross. A, but, it's gross. <laughs> it is a little bit gross, but I think that's their core demographic. <laughs> it's like like we go for the people who like gross, but um yeah, I'm actually kind of shocked. I feel I generally like Steve Martin. Like Kyle, my my regular co-host on Catching Up on Cinema, he he'll be the first one to tell you he's not much of a Steve Martin guy. Um, he'll give credit where credit is due, such as was the case with a uh, Little Shop of Horrors. But um, I generally like Steve Martin, and yet for the life of me, I, I can't place this film. But um, it's on my radar now, and I do like Steve Martin, so maybe I should check this one out because the way it's marketed here really does feel like either they're trying to trick you into thinking it's a contemporary film, or they're like hyping it up like it's like a a classic that you you absolutely have to have in your collection if you're at all a Steve Martin fan, but. Um, go ahead, Brett. Oh, I was just gonna say, directed by Mick Jackson, uh, director of The Bodyguard. Oh, and I <laughs> will always <laughs> love you. Um, yeah. Uh, beside that, though, uh, we have uh, a big one uh, that I actually am kind of shocked I haven't bought already. Uh, this is a Neon Genesis Evangelion which, of course, is a uh, Japanese animated television show and manga uh, from Hideaki Anno, uh, who uh, is a creator who I think got his start as an animator on Studio Ghibli films. Like, uh, he worked on <clears throat> Nausicaa, uh, which is a Hayao Miyazaki film. Uh, he kind of is... He's known for having animated the big, big melting monster at the end of the film, which kind of, like, plays into his... his 
aesthetic uh, for some of his own productions he would undertake in in later years but uh this guy has become one of one of like japan like not just the world of animation but just japan's like most important creative voices of a generation uh he's been given the reins to godzilla he's been given the reins to common rider he's been given the reins to ultraman um but prior to all of that uh he had this he had evangelion uh which was one of the most important Japanese animated shows from the 90s. Uh, it, its cultural footprint is vast, internationally or otherwise. Um, I I have trouble recommending this to people because <laughs> like, part of me wants to say it's like you, you either have to be in the right mindset or you, you had to have been there to really appreciate it. But I, for one, was there for it. Um, I was probably exactly the right age to, to be exposed to this. I think I was... 11 or 12 when I first saw it and I think that was precisely the correct age for a young young man to to see this particular story uh, to be exposed to this particular story but um, in recent years uh, it has been uh, reapproached via four different animated films um, and moreover it has finally been um, made widely available in the US via Netflix um, and I remember it was kind of a big fucking deal when it when it arrived on Netflix, uh, because it was the first time I think it had been displayed in HD, and also first time it was like widely available in the U.S. And now we have a Blu-ray set. Um, I have a, a grossly overpriced and out of print uh, DVD box set of it, um, but this is an economically priced and HDified version of the show that uh, I. I could see myself rewatching quite readily. Uh, so um, strong recommend. Uh, if you do your due diligence and actually take a minute to like look into what the fuck it is, <laughs> because it is absolutely, absolutely not for everyone. Um, but if you, if you read up on it just a little bit and you're the type of personality that can be okay with not understanding what the fuck is going on. <laughs> um, something that I know for a fact my girlfriend is not okay with, which is why I would never have her watch it. But if you have it in you to, to expose yourself to that type of storytelling, uh, yeah, it, it's it's a classic for a reason. Um, Brad, is this something you'd at all be interested in? Uh, moreover, is this something you're at all familiar with or aware of? I'm really only familiar of it because of you, so take that as a high compliment. Um, but I, I don't know. Is it still on Netflix? Like, is this a can I can I try before I buy? Yeah, I, th- I think. I mean, I don't actually have Netflix, so I can't check for you, Brad. But I I, th- I don't see a reason why it wouldn't be unless they didn't like renew the license. I yeah. do know that uh, Amazon kind of shot one across Netflix's bow, as they are want to do, um, in the form of obtaining the rights to the last not all of them just the last the fourth movie Mm. that was released very very recently both in japan and here so you can watch the entire original 90s television series on netflix but if you want to see the last chapter in the entire franchise as we know it you gotta hop over to amazon (laughs) that's a dick move that's unfortunate that's unfortunate (laughs) I'm sure they had to pay out the nose to do it, but uh, streaming services seem to really get a lot of uh, traction out of uh, anime. Like it seems like it it it's a very important demographic to reach out to those that particular fan base. 
Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if you'd ever check this out, Brad, but um, I'll just say this much. It was it was a big fucking deal when I was when I was in middle school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd be curious to check it out. Just uh, at least give it a try. I actually have a, a project that I don't know if I'll ever uh, get around to doing, but the idea would be kind of similar to, to doing a movie review podcast, but with a series format. It would be called The First Four. It's just you watch you watch the first four episodes of a show and review that. Hmm. And the perfect version of that would be one person just watches the first four and the other person will have seen the whole series or at least the whole season and can actually answer questions that the person oh, might have. And I then like you that. can and then you can make an informed decision as to whether it's it would be a good idea to move forward with it, or if it's just like, no, if that's where it goes, I'm out. Yeah. That's that's so not that, a bad idea. And actually, it was inspired by this show, Brad. Oh, yeah? Because, yeah, because uh, when, when I was in middle school and paying 30 to $35 for a DVD at Suncoast fucking video, fuck those guys. <laughs> <laughs> My fucking God, how how did I get by? Like, like, no wonder I bought, like, a movie every six months or something. <laughs> I did not have much of a movie collection because of them. Like it was, it, it wasn't a collection. It was a, it was a shoebox. It was the length of a shoebox. It was <laughs> because Suncoast Video charged out the fucking nose. But um, anyway, because of those prices, um, I I had the first DVD of this television series, which is only twenty five episodes long, by the way. Uh, so very digestible. I had just that DVD for years. So I watched those first four episodes over and over and over again. And part of why I did that was because I, it actually makes a really good package. Like just those first four episodes, like just isolated. It's like, huh, actually you do get quite a bit out of that. It's it's actually a very well-rounded two-hour package. But hmm. anyway, we should probably move on. So um, beside that, we have a 4K release of Batman Year One, which actually came out in 2011. And it was funny because I I just saw the date on that. But when I was reading the title, I was like, isn't that kind of an old one? Because uh, I think uh, I think Kyle may have watched this one. He doesn't watch this shit. <laughs> but it was a long <laughs> time ago. But um, this is, of course, the, an adaptation of uh, uh, Frank Miller's uh, comic series, uh, his run on uh, Batman Year One. I, I, I'm, I saw it. I don't remember it being particularly amazing. Like, it was fine. Like, the animation style didn't really do it for me. Um, but that's almost always going to be the case with these Warner Brothers animated films. They always seem to be produced on the cheap, uh, not especially with love, which is always kind of bothersome, kind of irksome when it comes to animation. But um, we have The Last Sheila, question mark, from 1973. Fury from 1936. Uh, the Chinese Boxer. 1970 uh this is from 88 films and uh on a lot of websites that i frequent uh this this has been getting a lot of play um and and yet it's not a film that i'm particularly familiar with um but there's a lot of martial arts movie enthusiasts out there who are very hyped about this particular release uh 88 films has a very good reputation however if memory serves i think they're based in the uk yeah but this must be a rare region a release for them it's listed as region a on blu-ray.com but yeah they're a um at least they're not region a that's all i know but i, I believe they are uk 
Yeah, I, I think that's the case. Um, I could be talking out my ass, but um, if memory serves, I, I have a lot of memories of looking at their releases and saying, wow, that's a really handsome package of a movie I actually really like and would like to see. And then you get to the region encoding, and it's like, well, it's too bad I can't be buying that. <laughs> because yeah. I absolutely would love to have some of those 80s Jackie Chan movies in my collection. But, you know, is what it is. Uh, Armor got, of God I gotta go region free. I gotta go region free. It, it's been on my to-do list for a long time. I actually got into that ecosystem on DVD a long time ago, like as soon as I like started buying DVDs. But for Blu-ray, for whatever reason, I just never have, um, especially now that we have 4K players and it complicates matters. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. And, and like buying ones that are advertised as that as such is it tends to be kind of expensive i i actually lucked into a dvd player back in the day that um you could unlock by typing in numbers on the on the pad like it was just like a a, a pin number basically mm-hmm. and i was like wow that was beautiful like i didn't even have to buy it special i just i just had it and i looked it up out of curiosity it was just like beep 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 <gasps> it's region free <laughs> here's a question you might not know this and i've just i've i've never thought about this um, you know, you can buy region free players. They are kind of expensive from what I've seen. But like a regular Blu-ray player, not that expensive. What there's no way that you can buy a region B player separately is it because the plugs, like they have different plugs in the UK? Like what's the, why can't you just buy a separate player? Yeah, I I don't know enough to to give you an official answer on that. I know certain countries would have different plugs um i know uh back in the day pal and ntsc was always uh, something to consider uh the display format um but yeah i, I want to say you could probably just buy a region b player um and it would just play region b discs but mm-hmm. um you'd have to do some research into the like I don't know the voltage or or the what the plugs look like. How many holes does it have? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I mean even then you can buy. They have adapters, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, no, they have travel adapters and shit. I'm wondering if that's the way to go. I, I got to look into this. I mean, that's going to be a whole new can of worms for you, Brad. Yeah. And you know, I mean, <laughs> import discs. Speaking from fucking experience, can get real pricey. Uh, so be careful, sir. Yeah, oh, <laughs> tread yeah. carefully. Um, but bopping right along. Uh, Brad, did you review this for the Cinema Speak podcast? Uh, Reminiscence, yes. Um, we did review what? this. It was uh, one of those Warner Brothers uh, HBO Max uh, releases and uh, starring Hugh Jackman. You know, it was definitely mediocre. It was right, kind of right down the middle. Um, I think you would maybe get some enjoyment out of it. There's some interesting ideas and visuals there and there's a couple okay action sequences um so it's not a total wash it's not like bad by any means but it's just pretty uninspired um so yeah this this 4k i this will be in the bargain bin this i'm surprised it's not already discounted for black friday it just came out a week ago (laughs) yeah i'm actually like honestly a little bit concerned about the the theater to streaming uh situation we have in light of covid and whatnot like I, I feel like it's maybe taken some of the juice out of a lot of films where it's just like it it removes some of the enthusiasm that comes with knowing that a thing was screened in theaters and you had to bide your time waiting for it to find its way in, like onto store shelves and whatnot yeah like i feel like if you 
if the first time you see a movie is via a streaming service, the chances of you wanting to buy it are quite are considerably less. Uh, yeah, I have definitely noticed that. Where it's yeah, like, yeah, I do like. I'm trying to think. There's like you know movies that I've watched on streaming, and it's like I have that streaming service now. Yeah. Will I have that streaming service forever? Probably not. But because I'm like, well, I know it's going to be on that streaming service, eh? Because I just like automatically associate it with that to the point where I almost passed up Godzilla versus Kong 4K for 9.99. But oh, I was like, how dare you? I was like, you know what? <laughs> 4K, you never know with internet issues. Like, you, you know, you, you could be uh, your streaming quality. There's always yeah, so. I was like, I'll I'll buy it on physical, so I did end up buying that simply because of the 4K. Yeah, actually, I I picked that one also uh, for 9.99, uh, Boom. and actually, I am hoping that the, the image quality is slightly enhanced by the the disc format because I I think maybe it was because I watched it during the premiere weekend or whatever that I was getting some buffering issues when I was watching that initially. So I'm actually excited to revisit that one. But yeah, reminiscence, um, you. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did you review this one with your gal? Uh, I can't uh, remember. No, this was uh, one of my uh, friends who happens to be a gal, but not my. Okay, gal. with with a gal. With a gal. <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> um, yeah, I I remember seeing the trailers for this one and just thinking like, that's a lot of seemingly like disparate elements. Like I don't really see how all of this connects, but clearly there's a lot of ideas, but just from the trailers again like I, I felt like i don't really see how this is all going to coalesce into like a cohesive whole like a lot of cool ideas a lot of really interesting aesthetics um i'm not sure if it all needed to be in the same movie um but but a lot of cool ideas mm-hmm. yeah and i do i do like Hugh jackman and is a uh, rebecca ferguson in there as well oh you better believe she is <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I i can't really point to like a singular performance that like really jumped out at me of across her filmography but she's always welcome uh, for sure yeah. i always feel bad because i kind of uh unfortunately get her and rebecca hall mixed up sometimes um, well, that's okay i i think of rebecca hall as rebecca black in my head far too often ooh. and it's it's that's just depressing that's even worse <laughs> yeah that's bad it's it's a weird mix-up but it, it, for whatever reason i always forget rebecca hall's name um but from a from like a like a face standpoint, from like a casting standpoint, I would never confuse Rebecca Hall for anyone else. Uh, she's always welcome as well. Um, but moving right along, uh, we have the Bank Dick, nineteen forty. Ladies, they talk about nineteen thirty three. It's a gift. Uh, so apparently, a lot of W. C. Fields uh, fans are getting their goods this week. Uh, we have Old Henry from twenty twenty one. Uh, starring everybody's favorite Tim Blake Nelson, Trace Adkins, and Stephen Dorff. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me. Um, what, a, what a cast. What a cast. Um, that's all I'll say about that. Uh, we have the uh, Aretha Franklin film Respect, which got a decent marketing push, and then I think it reviewed very poorly. Uh, because I have not heard a peep about this since that initial marketing push. Yeah, I don't think it made a ton in theaters either. It was kind of a, you know, fart it's a bit in the of a wind. Dud. Yeah, yeah, it was a fart in the wind, as far as I understand. We got another W. C. Fields. We got the old fashioned way, nineteen thirty four. We have Edmund Special Edition, 
uh, from 2005. This is a MVD film, so you know it's quality, uh, with what appears to be William H. Macy and uh, the grandma from uh, Happy Gilmore and oh. uh, Julia Stiles. So, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, and Denise Richards. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, nothing but stars, baby. <laughs> um, we have uh, One More Train to Rob, 1971. Mania Killer from Full Moon Features. Um, this is part of the Eurocin- Eurocina collection. Now, Brad, this seems like something that would be kind of on your radar. Am I wrong on that? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I think you are wrong. I don't know. Uh, I don't know much about this, to be honest. Well, that man has quite the face. Uh, it looks like <laughs> it looks like his mouth is a black hole that is trying to suck the rest of his face into it. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, this. Uh, is apparently a full moon features release. Uh, looks like maybe a, a crap film that was handled with care, mm-hmm. uh, handled with love by a, a boutique distributor. So maybe check it out if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, we have, and I've been curious about this, Brad. I don't know what this means. We have the Adams family with more mamushka. <laughs> yeah, what, you know, what? I didn't think about what it means at all until you pointed it out, really. <laughs> No, see, I have a theory. I haven't done any research. This is the first time I'm coming across this. I, I don't know what with more mamushka is referring to. But remember, you're talking to somebody who's curious about extended editions of films and whatnot. I have listened to the score, the soundtrack for the Adams Family film many a time. And one thing I have always noted about that is that the mamushka track is considerably longer on the soundtrack than it is in the film. Oh, so perhaps they are not lying, and this includes the complete edition of the the complete rendition of the Mamushka song. Well, this does uh, Blu-ray.com does say it contains two cuts, so I think you might be right. Well, I might have to buy this bread. I just might because I really love this movie, and I really love that scene. And, you know, if I'm going to have the Tommy Boy Holy Shnikes edition on my shelf, I may as well have the with more Mamushka edition <laughs> of the Adams Family on the same shelf. Now, I should say, before you before you put that in your cart and hit purchase, uh, for some reason, uh, it does come out on 4K just a couple weeks later in this month. Um, so, I mean, I, I would go with the 4K, both of them getting incredible reviews on Blu-ray.com. I have to text my girlfriend and be like, I'm sorry, your Christmas gift is going to be kind of lame this year <laughs> because Mamushka had to happen in 4K. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm reading these Blu-ray.com reviews. They're gushing over this release. I'm I'm in. I'm in now. Yeah, I'm sold. I'm in. Yep. I'm buying it. We're doing it. We're doing it live. Fuck it. <laughs> you want to get nuts? Come on. Let's get nuts. Uh, beside that, we have Tina from 2021. This is a... Uh, apparently a what a tina turner documentary or a concert or something uh yeah i think it's a, a doc i think gotcha yeah yeah could be interesting and uh, an, another could be interesting documentary uh, muhammad ali a film by ken burns uh actually not gonna lie brad i actually would buy and watch this um i don't mind ken burns like i i mean for fuck's sake he has a cinematographic uh style uh, like attached to his name uh he does mostly good work uh and the sport of boxing and muhammad ali in particular are very fascinating to me 
I wouldn't mind uh, watching a probably absurdly long documentary about him. Um, and beside that, we have uh, one of the most famous uh, uh, paintings or cover arts for a, for an anime series uh, over the past several decades. Uh, we have Doomed Megalopolis. And the theory has always been that this character featured on the cover art here um, served as the inspiration for the Street Fighter character M. Bison, uh, Raul Julia's character from the Street Fighter movie. Um, Doomed Megalopolis is part of a uh, like a, a mega Japanese franchise that span. I think it originated as a series of historical novels, like historical fiction novels, uh, that was then adapted to animation in the 90s and is now being released in the States again uh, on Blu-ray. Uh, I might actually purchase this. I, I own one of the live-action films uh, from this franchise. I would actually be kind of curious to read some of the novels if they exist in translated form. Um, and actually, I, I want to say this painting, this style, looks like um, one of my favorite artists, uh, Noriyoshi Orai, uh, who I don't know if Brad's able to see it, but uh, no, he can't. Um, <laughs> On, on the opposite side of the webcam I actually have a lot of this guy's paintings like printed out and framed because uh, um, I only found out this artist's name when he died um, when it was announced that he had died like I, I've been exposed to his art my entire life like he did a lot of the uh, 80s and 90s Godzilla movie posters uh, he did the, the cover art for a lot of Koei uh, video games uh, tons of trashy novels and stuff phenomenal painter um, but it wasn't until he died that I learned his name, and this does look like his work, and it's awesome, to say the least. Um, I'm kind of shocked I haven't opened my wallet for this one already, honestly. <laughs> you got to do um, it, man. We have the concubine. <laughs> we have the concubine from 2012. Uh, this is apparently a Korean film from a MPI Media Group looks to be quite the handsome package and they have a very wow a very diverse uh, release catalog uh, they put out kill list oh, really? <laughs> as well as as well as the hatchet films <laughs> um and the now like a, a what appears to be a steelbook of a korean film or something uh yeah they're all over the map um i'll kick, kick it over to you brad what jumps at you next um, well, you know, you got four good days with Glenn Close and Mila Kunis, some Oscar baby garbage there. Uh, but uh, a few uh, Mondo Macabro releases, which I don't know much about. I don't have much to say about. But uh, you've got the designated victim, human animals, and it's nothing mama, just game, which um, I don't own any uh, Mondo Macabro releases. They just kind of... Uh, I don't know, they're someone I'm aware of, and, you know, I feel like their films are in that zone where they're, you know, right up there with, like, a Severin or a Vinegar Syndrome, but uh, just haven't really, uh, I, I don't have any uh, reliable sources whispering in my ear about how great they are, so I haven't uh, haven't pulled the trigger on any of them. Also, I do believe they have red cases on their Blu-rays, which is pretty gross to me maybe they're not all red but i think at least some of them are not a fan yeah i mean i'm sorry but the first thing that comes to mind when i see a red case is hd dvd um and <laughs> uh man i used to work at a thrift store and it always tickled me just right whenever i'd see an hd dvd come in because like i i don't blame you for for turning this into a, a thrift store because like really 
what is this worth to anyone yeah honestly yeah the only um, red case uh i think i have in my collection is uh birdman and uh the only reason i have this red case in my collection is because you can uh pop on that slip cover and just pretend it's not there you just pretend it's it doesn't exist Way to go, bud. Uh, <laughs> I actually didn't know that that was a red case. I think the only one I have is a Black Widow. Um, oh, yeah. And I can't remember. I don't think it came with a slip case, so Ooh. I guess I'm, I guess I'm kind of fucked. Ooh, but you know, boy. is what it is. And also, it's only an okay movie, so it's <laughs> it's not exactly a display piece to be proud of. But um, moving right along, we have uh, Certified Fresh, uh, my Salinger year in 2020. We also have an Arrow re-release, I presume, of Chud from 1984. Uh, only reason I'll, I note it is that uh, uh, basically the movie podcast that got me into podcasting, essentially, like they they talk about this movie incessantly, um, and I to I don't know why <laughs> because like Kyle watched it not that long ago, and like he he walked away from it. And all he all he said he could say about it was this like. Daniel Stern sweats a lot. Like <laughs> he's really sweaty. That's about it. It's like, oh, okay, that was Chud. Um, but bopping on down, uh, I'm tempted to skip to the next week, Brad, because I'm not seeing a whole lot that really commands my attention. Yeah, that's all I got that? for this week. All right, well, let's move on down uh, to November twelfth, and we have. No, it's uh, November 16th. Uh, we have a, a shit ton of concert uh, films, if you're interested in that sort of thing, coming out on the 12th, though. Uh, November 16th. Brad, I'm going to kick this over to you because I know this one's a big one for you. It is a big uh, one. It's historic. It's the Criterion Collection's first 4K title in Mulholland Drive from director David Lynch, one of my favorite filmmakers uh yeah you know criterion finally taking the 4k plunge and uh they picked a heck of a film to lead it off with it is uh one of my i'd say i'd just say it it's one of my favorite movies i love mulholland drive um i would say it's probably my favorite lynch film i'm sure it looks great in 4k probably not going to upgrade quite uh now um but i don't know i i think i've watched the blu-ray of it twice so I guess if I upgrade to 4K, it's not like a complete waste of money. So uh, I probably will be popping on this at some point. But yeah, Criterion finally kicking the door down. They're in the 4K zone. Huge. Yeah, no, this is this is an historic moment, uh, to say the least. Uh, and I, it's kind of shocking that they would pick a David Lynch film as as their first 4K. You would, you would think that maybe they would have switched up the order as we move on through the month. Um, but cool. I mean, David Lynch, I'm sure is like, he probably wouldn't acknowledge it publicly, uh, but that is quite the honor, uh, to be uh, bestowed upon a filmmaker. Um, but yeah, uh, this is, this is one of those movies that I, I do recall you like kind of citing as one of your very favorites, um, which means that I really do need to get on the ball and check this one out. I don't know that I'll be blind buying this, uh, but it's it's once again on my radar and i definitely need to get out in front of that and check it out um beside that we have a best buy exclusive steelbook i believe of uh kurosawa's ran uh, from 1985 uh, this is one of his epics one of his most visually vibrant films um 
I don't know why this is coming out now, <laughs> but well, uh, it's, it's fine. It's also, this is, I believe, in the Criterion Collection, um, but Blu-ray only. So this 4K is not Criterion endorsed. So very, uh, very interesting there. Yeah, it's bizarre because it says it's a Lionsgate, it's a steelbook, and it's 4K. So what happened to the the rights lapse or some something was handed over or something but yet the timing of this release is curious to say the least but it's it's a very famous film from a very famous director so it's kind of cool like any edition we get of it is is something worth noting it's just like why now why lionsgate why 4k why best buy exclusive yeah (laughs) very weird very weird very weird um and beside that we have a, a a series of films that actually came up uh, in conversation during a recent episode of Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, the Once Upon a Time in China, the whole family, the complete series. Uh, so this is this is a series that existed in this country largely as a trilogy, um, but I'm looking at the contents of this box, and as I had noted on that episode, of, uh, the Fearless episode that I did with my buddy Sean Parker, um, this this series just went on and on and on and on. Um, sometimes I forget just how on and on it went. Uh, it looks like there are six different films contained in this box set, and this is a Criterion release. Um, and as far as I recall, this is... I think multiple directors worked on this. Uh, the first three are thought of more as like a complete thought than the entire series we have here in this box. Um, but it's the Adventures of Jet Li as uh, Wong Fei Hong. Uh, it's supposed to be... A very good series overall, although, as I said, the first three films are largely the ones that get the lion's share of the fame. I like them. I don't love them. Um, but the the throwdown between Jet Li and Donnie Yen in, in part two is uh, worth anybody's time. So it's, it's a maybe for me at this point. But um, we also have all the Mad Maxes, except, curiously, I'm not seeing that first one. Um, but we have the Road Warrior, Beyond Thunderdome, uh, the Mad Max Anthology, all collected on 4K, coming out this week as well. Um, Brad, you gonna be buying all four of these guys? You know, I am tempted. I am quite tempted. Um, I do own them all already, but I own them all only on Blu-ray. I don't even have Fury Road on 4K. Um, I don't know like the anthology there. I don't know what the packaging is like if they're coming, you know, a big like one set but they're all in their own individual cases or I'd be curious to find out what that entails uh cuz that could affect my purchasing. Um and also I don't know, I'm looking at the uh anthology. It looks like the one contained in there might be the Kino release of Mad Max, which uh Kino did put it out on 4K let's see, last year, so just a, a heads up there, but uh, yeah, I uh, I do like this franchise, uh, it, you know, it's got its ups and downs for sure, but uh, you know, I think they're all worth watching to some extent. Yeah, actually, I, I find myself in kind of a sweet position uh, when it comes to looking into this particular box set, because I only own Fury Road. Oh, there you go. Um, but I have seen all of these films at one time or another throughout my life, um, and I've been itching to go back to them, uh, so now might be the time. Uh, and, you know, I'd only be repurchasing one film, and I only own that film on Blu-ray, so it would be an upgrade on top of that. So, uh, yeah, I I haven't been able to find any pics of what the actual 
box looks like though but that that would be something i would be curious about before before buying um we also have Candyman, uh, the 2021 edition of Candyman, coming out on 4K. And Brad, you also reviewed this for your podcast, correct? Yeah, yeah, I talked about it. Um, you know, it was it was okay. Uh, it you know, I kind of I liked a lot of elements of it. Didn't totally think it all came together uh, totally well. Um, but I would maybe pick this up uh, if it drops in price because. I could see myself wanting to revisit it and see if it clicks with me uh, on a rewatch. Oh well, yeah, I have been noticing Warner Brothers likes to drop random titles down to ten bucks every once in a while on 4K. So it's great. Be a good candidate for that. Sounds <laughs> like. Um, we also have a uh, Jungle Cruise from 2021, also on 4K. Uh, I didn't bother with this one, Brad. Did you? Yeah, I saw this at the drive-in. I think I believe it was a drive-in watch. Uh, and uh, more like Jungle Snooze, if you ask me. I wasn't uh, not a fan, uh, which was unfortunate because it's uh, directed by uh, what's his face, um, uh, Yame Colette Sarah. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, Liam Neeson's boy. I, I like him actually. I do. I like him too. And I felt this was like just it was much more Disney than him. Like I didn't get much. You know, you look at like. The Pirates movies, and you still get you know, a Gore Verbinski level of filmmaking there. This, I, I, it just felt like a CG mess. Now, see, I didn't know he directed this, and that actually makes me curious as to why they would have picked him. Because one gimmick I've noticed, and he does have gimmicks uh, in his across his filmography, is his movies tend to be presented in a very modern format. And Jungle Cruise is a period piece. Meaning you can't do cute things like have on-screen text messages and and multicam stuff like you, like tr- like De Palma esque like multicam type shit like like he's done in in movies past so, like other Liam Neeson films. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I mean, he is a stylish director though. Like his movies do have a visual flair to them. But now, actually, I kind of want to watch it. Don't uh, fall for it. Don't fall okay. for it. That bad, huh? Damn. I mean, it's not that bad, but just don't go in thinking you're getting to get a. Brad, I know, I know Sarah some of the joint. shit you have on your shelf, and you, you straight up telling me no, <laughs> <laughs> like, like that tells me quite a bit about the quality of the film. <laughs> yeah, maybe you know what? Maybe here's something. I'm just kind of coming up with this idea. His name is Yame Colette Sarah, Jungle Cruise, JC, JC. Is there any connection there? Could be. I mean, I could totally see some Disney exec getting really coked up and just like pointing to his name and be like, JC, don't you see? Jungle Cruise, JC. It adds up. Yeah, <laughs> that could be why. Could be why. Uh, but moving right along, uh, we have uh, from Blue Underground uh, 4K editions of Maniac Cop 2 and 3. Uh, I have heard 2 is quite good. 3, I can't vouch for. But Maniac Cop, uh, of course, uh, stars Robert Zadar uh, as the titular Maniac Cop. Uh, it is it is like a slasher-esque franchise. And then on top of that, not only do you get Robert Zadar's chin, in the sequel you get Robert Davi's ruddy complexion. So you get all the faces. You get the guys with the faces in this, in this franchise. Actually, I wouldn't pay, like I wouldn't buy these discs, but I actually have always kind of wanted to watch these movies. Uh, similar to how I 
I went out of my way to watch all the direct-to-video Darkman movies. It's like it's like that same level of interest where it's like I have no I have no belief that this is going to be good, but I'm just kind of curious. Like I want to see what Arnold Vosloo is like as Darkman. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a uh, too much of a connection to this franchise. I do know that at least I I, I know the first one and maybe the first two are streaming on Shutter. Kind of curious to. Uh, check it out because uh blue underground their 4k releases have been pretty stellar from what i understand um unfortunately i don't think i've actually watched one of them i do own at least one but i haven't watched it yet but uh yeah i'd be curious to to dig in okay well that i mean it sounds like you and i both then maybe maybe owe it to ourselves to check out maniac cop aka robert zadar's chin the movie (laughs) um uh, and we also have uh, one of the more anticipated releases of 2020, at least if you're a Nick Cage fan, that is. Uh, we have Prisoners of the Ghostland, which, of course, is his collaboration with, uh, I guess, famed Japanese director Shion Sono. Um, I, it's funny. I've never actually seen uh, one of Shion Sono's films, um, but this collaboration was greatly anticipated by fans of, of both the director and the actor, um, and some of the trailers I saw for this one had me thinking, you know, this could be a lot of fucking fun. Um, I know pretty much every Nick Cage podcast out there, all 57 million of them out there, uh, were very much anticipating this movie. So this is one that I I should probably see. I could actually see myself just opening my wallet and just grabbing it um, just to, you know, like a Band-Aid right off. <laughs> but um, yeah, Brad, uh, have you seen any of this director's films or are you curious about this one in particular? Uh, I don't think I've seen any of his films, no, but uh, I do kind of want to check this out. It is uh, streaming on Shudder. Shudder's been oh. hyping it up. It is a streaming exclusive over there. Um, Beautiful. So I may, uh, I may check it out. I've kind of actually been hearing some mixed things. Like I haven't heard anything too stellar you know nick cage he's you know in the last few years he's had some you know films that have really like mandy and pig and you know they've really kind of had a lot of uh solid buzz this one from what i've seen like not the greatest uh response so it's kind of tempered my expectations a bit but i probably will check it out yeah it, it's one that i'd i'd be curious to check out i'm not in the biggest of hurries but uh i if I'm being fair, I should probably watch Pig first, if I'm being honest. Um, and, I mean, you know uh, you know, you might be in trouble when the quote on the cover is from the lead actor in the movie, where he says... Really? It says, the wildest movie I've ever made. Wow. That's uh, the yeah. quote they went with on the cover. How often do you get that? Like, someone actually from the production, like, supplying the pull quote? <laughs> like, Which is not uh, definitely that solid of an endorsement but uh (laughs) it's like does that mean it's good no comment (laughs) (laughs) um but next on the next road down uh, we have the brady bunch two movie collection i can't speak for the second one the very brady sequel but i do remember that first one actually being legit pretty funny um we were kind of inundated with these in the 90s um like the 60s slash 70s television to film adaptations yeah um like adam's family would kind of be included in that flintstones as well like there there are tons of these leave it to beaver dennis the menace all that shit um but i actually kind of remember having fun with that first brady bunch movie 
Um, I again can't speak for the sequel. Not going to be paying for either of these. Just throwing it out there. Um, but beside that, we have uh, the biggest fucking deal uh, for a good chunk of the population out there. Not not for me personally, but um, we have the Middle Earth thirty one disc Ultimate Collector's Edition four K Blu Ray box set from Warner Brothers from two thousand and one to twenty fourteen. These are the Peter Jackson. Lord of the Rings films. Good fucking God. <laughs> yeah. Brad, that's... you going to be buying this? <laughs> no, I absolutely will not be. Uh, I don't know. There's just so many. I don't even know. Like, I want to get Lord of the Rings, the original, you know, trilogy on 4K. I don't even know which set to buy because isn't there just the, the standard? Then there's the, you know, extended and there's just so much. And then there's this. I don't know. It's just it's too much. It just it turns me off of the whole thing. Uh, you're breaking Kyle's heart. Uh, I love so, the movies, but I mean, just the there's just too many too many options out there when it comes to their releases. I could see that. It's, it's actually funny. Uh, Kyle was uh, poking me via text the other day. He was asking, like, when are we gonna get a uh, a Dead Alive 4K, or at the very least, like a, a readily accessible Blu-ray in the states? Because, like, as far as I recall, the the Blu-ray may be out of print is not good at all like it's terrible quality and it's expensive um so he's like where are we gonna get 4k of that huh <laughs> i was like I, I don't know but you know maybe the time is right for that uh being as you know lord of the rings fandom is still quite alive and well peter jackson uh recently sold uh weta uh, so he is swimming yeah, right. in cash yeah uh, so he could certainly finance a restoration project uh for his older films but um, yeah, Lord of the Rings, I, I say it countless times. I've said it countless times on the show. Uh, I appreciate them. Uh, they are they are cinema magic. Uh, they utilize every cinematic tool and trick in the book. Um, and they famously were one of the earlier examples on DVD uh, of like including all the supplemental features you could ever ask for. Like the original trilogy or the rings films like it's almost cited as like a film school 101 if you watch all the features on all those discs um so i i greatly appreciate their contribution to film it's just i just don't care (laughs) (laughs) like 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 high fantasy in general it's it's just not my cup of tea i just it doesn't it doesn't speak to me i don't i don't latch on to the characters or the narrative in the way that i think a lot of other people do but Mm -hmm. I know it's very, very precious to a lot of people. I I can think of maybe five people off the top of my head who will be getting this for Christmas um, and probably nothing else because I assume it's quite expensive. <laughs> um, but, Not as much as I would have thought. Not as much as I would have thought. Yeah, what's it at, Brad? About 200 bucks. That ain't bad, man. Like, I, I, I do not do well with numbers, but 31 discs... Two hundred dollars. That seems like quite the fair deal. I think uh, we did the math. I think it's like six or seven bucks a disc. I want to say that ain't bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That ain't bad at all. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just, just, just not for me. Um, I know Kyle would absolutely love to have this on his shelf. I'm sorry, Kyle. I do love you, but I'm not spending two hundred dollars on you. Um, I gotta say <laughs> one thing that is kind of gross to me, and I, I understand why, but on the, on the box. You know, it's Middle Earth 31 Disc Ultimate Collector's Edition. It lists The Hobbit before The Lord of the Rings, which Ooh, I get yeah. why why they did that, but that's kind of gross to me. I got to be honest. If I'm being honest, uh, that like talking about 
handsome packaging. Um, I think they could have done better. Yeah, it's not, uh, I don't, it's not that great. I don't like that they made no attempt uh, to blend the images here. There's there's literally just a line down the center of the box uh, cutting the two images in half, whereas the uh, the Friday the 13th box is clearly like a commissioned art piece. Like, they actually made a beautiful collage of Jason Voorhees' heads, um, and it makes for quite the display piece. This is just like some slapped-together images that don't quite jive with each other and then like you can see there's a lot of there's a lot of visual information that's just completely covered by the banner in the center um i don't know what the actual packaging looks like maybe it looks different when you open it up but they could do better especially when like just a couple rows down i'm looking at an evil dead box that looks quite a bit more awesome honestly (laughs) well i've got stuff to say about that uh, okay, well, let's get well. to it. <laughs> so, like I said, the Middle Earth collection, I know it's very, very, very important to a lot of people out there. Unfortunately, it's not the biggest deal for me, but I acknowledge its contribution. It's a big fucking deal. I get it. Let's move on. Uh, we have Vanilla Sky from the Paramount Presents collection. Uh, we have Josie of the Pussycats, uh, 20th anniversary edition. Jesus. Uh, that was 20 years ago. Uh, we have Christmas with the Cranks. Uh <laughs> Final Fantasy: The Spirits Within is it like the is is this the week where all the two thousand and one films get put out on like, <laughs> new editions or something? Because who the fuck asked for this? All right. I'm sorry, four K is just gonna make this look worse. <laughs> uh, listen, I I don't want to backtrack. I hate to do this, and I hate to you know get off of this uh, the two thousand one bit here but hey it's it's your show too Brad. breaking do, it, do I, with it what you will i just discovered i did not do any research into this lord of the rings set because i knew i wasn't gonna buy it I was like, i'm not buying this piece of shit no it's not a piece of shit it's probably well i mean it is a piece of shit because i'm looking at uh i looked at the release on blu-ray.com the press release and i'm looking at the comments and apparently i don't know how much is not included but people are commenting that this does not include a lot of the previous legacy features from the past editions. And I'm reading the comments here. Uh, They say, what a letdown. Somebody here says, arguably the biggest letdown for a collector's set ever. I mean, (laughs) holy crap. That's a little hyperbolic. Gary D97 says, this set is the biggest letdown in media history. Good fucking... The internet is a weird <laughs> place, Brad. Come on, man. Like, how many times, Brad? Like, between the two of us, how many times have we bought a box set that had, like, a, a 20 years after the fact sequel? Therefore, like, making our box set, like, out of date and, like, resulting in us just having, like, this, like, vestigial singular Blu-ray nestled up against a be- beautifully awesome box set that no longer houses the entirety of the franchise? Yeah. See that's a big that's a fuck up. Like that that fucks with your collection. This this sucks. Like that really does suck because if you're going to go to the trouble to make a 31 fucking disc box, like even if it's economically priced for what it is, at least make it comprehensive, you know? It like is- if you're if you're going to put it all in the box, really jam it all in there. Get it all in. I mean, I'm lo- I'm looking more into this. This hardly contains any features. Really? This is trash. This is trash. 
Your oh, five wow. friends, steer them away. I'm looking special. I'm going to have to. All right, here are, according to this press release, if this is true, I mean, if this is everything, special features and technical specs. You've got a Cannes Film Festival presentation reel, Alamo Draft House cast reunion of the Fellowship of the Ring roundtable, 39 minutes, the Two Towers roundtable, 32 minutes, Return of the King roundtable, 29 minutes. And according to this press release, that's it. That's it? That's all that is listed here. Holy shit. I'm glad you did your research, Brad, because this, this is breaking news. Like, I, I actually, no joke, I'm going to have to text some people. Be like, hey, like, I know we're getting close to, like, Black Friday and, like, Christmas time and stuff, but, like, maybe think about it. This is, I'm disgusted. This is disgust. I wasn't even planning on getting this is disgusting to I I'm starting to side with what was his name Gary D 97 this is the biggest letdown in media if I was a Lord of the Rings fan I, w- I would maybe renounce my fandom this is gross yeah you, you better log in ASAP and just throw an amen brother in there <laughs> on that comment yeah like this is bad Wow. I mean, remember, folks, Brad and I don't even care that much. Like, these are not movies, like, these aren't for us, and yet we're still we're still both disgusted and outraged. I mean... That, that is fucked, man. It, it makes sense why it's only 200 I, bucks now. Did I, who does not even care that much, nor have much familiarity with this franchise, just say that the big selling point of the older editions Literally. Was, was exactly what's omitted from this one? It seems like the all fuck? all the features on here are new, from what I can tell, because Alamo Drafthouse cast reunion, and I think it's for Ugh. the 20th anniversary, I'm, I'm assuming, um, but it doesn't include the legacy features. Yeah, that is a, ooh, that is brutal. That is bad. Mm, that is, that wow. is raggedy. Yeah. Mm, I'm thank, glad thank I clicked you. on that, because if we had missed that, well, that would have been, ooh, we, we might have no. had to re-record and go back. And, and I, spent, I spent all that time trying to sugarcoat it, trying to wear the fucking kid gloves. I put on the kid gloves <laughs> for nothing. I could have been bashing that thing's fucking brains in. Get the, this thing sucks. <laughs> oh, you need to text your friends and say, avoid, avoid. I, I No joke, Brad. I am going to do that because I do be know be buying people. it right now. This is out already. You better oh, yeah. you better hurry up. I mean, folks at home, we are recording this on the like basically the eve of Black Friday. This, this <laughs> time is of the essence. Oh. <laughs> so that, that being said, let's pile through the rest of the catalog so I can warn the people. They need to know, Brad. Anybody who puts this on their shelf is not a Lord of the Rings fan. They're a fake fan. <laughs> You're a phony. This is for <laughs> fake fans. Just oh, it's 31 discs. You're not even gonna watch half of those. Pro- You're either gonna watch it on 4K or Blu-ray. You're not gonna watch both. All right, get real. <laughs> you fuckhead. Right. <laughs> Gross. Uh, all right. Sorry. Yeah. All right. Let's keep it. No. Moving. No. I'm so glad you did Oof. that. Brad. Thank, wow. thank you. That, that's why you're on the show, Brad. You, you get the goods. Um, <laughs> so uh, we have a uh, David Cronenberg film, uh, M Butterfly from 1993. Uh, this is a shout select title uh, featuring Jeremy Irons and guy who doesn't have that many credits, but I am always so fucking happy to see him. Uh, John Lone. Uh, he he was a big fucking deal there, and then he just he 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 was Ricky Tan, and then I think he just called it quits. But he was really hot there for a minute. And uh, this, I mean, it's a shout select. It's David Cronenberg. It's got a fantastic cast. Haven't seen it myself, but I 
totally would check this out just based on those components alone. Um, and we have the next box set that apparently Brad has to open his butt up and take a grand, <laughs> grand stinking shit on. Uh, we have the Evil Dead Groovy Collection on 4K from Lionsgate. Uh, Brad, what's the scoop? What have you heard about this one? Uh, not not a ton. I don't have a ton to say about it. Just. <laughs> I don't know. It's just the fact that, first of all, you only get uh, the first two movies. You don't get Army of Darkness. Hang on. Say what? Yeah, yeah. If you haven't <laughs> on that up already, uh, Army of Dark, which probably is because uh, Scream Factory put out, they must have the rights to it, or, you know, somebody else owns the rights, or whatever. Um, so no Army of Darkness. Uh, you do get the first two movies in 4K. Um, but then the TV show, which I, maybe is to be expected, but is Blu-ray only. So, I don't know, kind of a wet noodle, if you ask me. Like, eh, not not I that mean, great. To that, I have to quote Rudy Ray Moore. And, Bitch, are you for real? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? It's a, it's a box set. It's enormous. Like, I, I get it. It's probably tied up in rights issues. But there, there is a a huge omission like like army of darkness is one of the bigger parts of the franchise like it to not have it in here just feels gross that just that's wrong i'm sorry like it does look like a really awesome package i like all the things in it but it's kind of fucking weird that like one of the trilogy of films isn't in there yeah it's it's very gross i mean even if you think like let's just say nuclear holocaust happens we all die and this movie this set is in a bunker and let's just say you know a few people survive so you know thousands of years from now this set survives and eventually humanity comes back and whatever this set might be the only remaining thing for from the evil dead franchise they're gonna watch these two movies it's not even gonna make they're gonna why is uh you know it doesn't the Ash versus Evil Dead series open up like he's working in a grocery store, like uh, in Army of Darkness, where it ends. I... I've never actually seen the show. But, oh well, there, yeah, uh, there you go. Kyle, Kyle actually quite likes it. Yeah, I watched uh, the first season, I believe. Um, but uh, yeah, just yeah, I don't know, not not a fan. <laughs> I'm you know the packaging, like the artwork on it is fine. I'm not a fan of these big jumbo box sets, especially when it's like literally two movies and a three season TV show. Like, come on, does it really need to be this huge? Like, let's get real here. I mean, I have the entire James Bond box set and it's probably smaller than this. Exactly. And, and it's 20 plus movies. So yeah, I, I, I see where you're coming a little from. Indulgent. That. It is it. I, I agree with you. I mean, if you look at my shelf, I don't have that many crazy box sets says the guy who has a Nakatomi Plaza tower hanging over his head on the webcam but uh <laughs> moving on um i'll have to warn kyle just in case he's in the market for this one because he is a fan of the franchise yeah. um and the omission of army of darkness is unforgivable uh we have uh some came running from 1958 sailor suit and machine gun from 1981 this is a japanese film from 1981 this is an arrow I'm going to skip some of these retro titles here, although I will point out that uh, Breakheart Pass with Charles Bronson, I kind of dig that cover art. It yeah, reminds me of like a, 
it reminds me of like a dime store like novel like like my i have a friend who texts me images of novels like that where it's just like some burly like tarzan looking dude punching wolves and stuff yeah. <laughs> it looks like the cover to one of those books or something um what else we got uh we have yakuza princess on four jesus on 4k uh from 2021 from magnolia pictures uh this was a movie that i almost allowed myself to care about um because some of the people involved in it are like are kind of part of like the the action and stunt community that i'm interested in but then i i think i watched a trailer and i was like i have standards like i'm sorry sorry yakuza princess even on 4k just just no not today but um gonna continue to skip some of these uh retro releases i just point out that there's something called the deceivers with what appears to be a young 1988 pierce brosnan so uh i think during his uh tenure on a uh, remington steel uh, probably around then and then we have another shutter original that of course as is the custom I'm gonna have to poke brad about uh caveat from 2020 it is certified fresh brad uh, yeah are you familiar with this one uh, I am familiar with this one. Uh, it's been on my list of Shutter originals to watch. Uh, I've heard it's uh, pretty solid. Um, my friend Charlie uh, did watch it at some point. Um, I believe he said he fell asleep. Uh, so <laughs> I think it might be a slow burn. But uh, I, I think I did watch the trailer, and I thought it looked like it had some, you know, pretty effective atmosphere, and I was intrigued. I might, I might, I'm not going to buy this, but I might check it out on Shutter. Yeah, why not? I mean, it's not every Shutter original that gets a certified fresh uh, label attached to it. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have CryptoZoo from 2021, and uh, wow, that cover art would have had me thinking it came from the 1970s. <laughs> um, this apparently features Peter Stormare. Uh, you familiar with this one at all, Red? No, I've never heard of this. Yeah, me neither, but the cover art is quite striking. It looks uh, akin to, say, like a Xanadu or something. <laughs> Or, uh, what, the old TriStar logo. Um, I'm going to kick it back to you, Brad, because I'm, I'm, I'm struggling here, bud. Uh, anything else jumping out at you? Um, for this week, uh, honestly, uh, not much. There's a movie called Our Ladies, um, which I have heard uh, reviewed and discussed on a few uh, podcasts and related things. Basically, uh, I... From what I understand, it's almost just like a uh, another one of those, you know, like female versions of a uh, super bad kind of thing. Um, but this one, uh, I guess the hook is that it's, uh, you know, it's all female. Um, at least the main characters are. And uh, in, instead of taking place uh, at night, it's all one crazy day. It all takes place in the daytime. I believe it's uh... Uh, it's from the UK. <laughs> I think it might be Scottish, maybe. Okay. So it it has it has something else going for it. Like, yeah. I was about to say that's kind of a flimsy gimmick, yeah. <laughs> but at, le- at least at least it's a quote foreign film. <laughs> yeah, I've heard I've um, heard good things about it. Okay, fair enough. Um, I will point out that I don't have anything to say about other than the cover art, but um, Never Back Down colon Revolt from 2021 features Michael Bisping and a bunch of ladies hitting each other. Um, I sent the cover art to this film when it was initially uh, like publicly released, like just the cover art, uh, to a friend of mine because he and I both like to have a good chuckle at bad design work. Um, and yeah, this cover is laughable. Uh, we have Michael Bisping putting on his best tough guy face. He doesn't have to try very hard, but that's what makes it funny is that he is a tough guy. You don't have to try to look tough, Michael Bisping. And when you try, you look like a clown. 
And then on top of that, the the image below that of the woman appearing to like be attempting to put him into like a Brazilian jiu-jitsu like chokehold of some sort. It looks like like a little sister like climbing on her older brother's back or something. Like it looks like he's fighting fighting the urge to laugh. Like it doesn't look like he's in mortal danger. Um, but yeah, this was a cover that I just had to send to my friend, and we both had some mutual laughs about. Um, I don't. I think this might be the fourth Never Back Down film, because the first one got a theatrical release and it was god awful. But then I think the second and the third one, uh, Michael Jai White took over, and they were considerably better. Uh, which there is precedent in Michael Jai's White in his career for doing that, like with the Undisputed franchise and whatnot. Um, but yeah, basically the Never Back Down franchise became just like those direct-to-DVD movies where a lot of uh, UFC fighters uh, in between fights would just like hang out on the set. <laughs> and like that's how we promote the film is just like put some familiar UFC fighters on the cover and call it good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a curious franchise where the first one is the one that largely sucks and then like the middle ones are pretty good. And then this one... Oh, it most assuredly sucks. Uh, I did watch the trailer for this out of curiosity and didn't look promising. Um, but let's bop on down to the next week here. We got November 23rd, Brad. And once again, I got to hand it over to you because uh, you, apparently Criterion, you got some splaining to do. Yeah. Well, let's take a page out of Gary D 97 from Blu-ray.com, the biggest uh let down in media history or whatever whatever the hell he said uh could apply to this as well you know criterion criterion the criterion collection releasing citizen kane on 4k like this is big this is huge this criterion collection basically like the new york yankees of the boutique community i mean even people that aren't in a boutique collecting like there's people that simply buy criterion based on the brand name like there's people who they're film fans they don't collect blu-rays but they buy criterion that brand carries weight um and you know everybody's like when is criterion getting into 4k you know arrow got into 4k vinegar syndrome shout kino they're all releasing these great 4k releases and kino's just dragging their feet finally they say we're coming out with these releases on 4k one of them, it's not the first, um, but probably I would say the most notable and biggest was when they said, we're coming out, Citizen Kane, 4K, huge set. I believe it might be four discs, I want to say. It's a big set. Like, it's, uh, you know, pretty notable. And they really pulled out all the stops. People were talking about this. People were, some people were loving the artwork, the K. Some people were hating it. I kind of like it. I think it's pretty, it's so, just simple. And I, th- I think it's it works, especially considering like the criterion, like the C of their logo, their first 4K, and you're going four, you K, K, it's perfect. Um, so this was huge release, and then I think it was just uh, a couple days ago, started seeing some you know some rumblings in the Blu-ray.com forums, on the home video bo- boutique uh, Facebook group. That there was an issue with the Citizen Kane release. And uh, Criterion, yesterday at 5.03 p.m., they did, uh, at least on their Facebook page, they posted a statement. They had to make an official statement. Um, so this is, you know, the, the New York Yankees having to admit fault here. Let me, let me just read their statement. They said, we discovered this weekend that there is a problem with Blu-ray Disc 1 in all of our Citizen Kane editions 
that affects the contrast in the feature film starting around the 30-minute mark and lasting until the end of the film. Now, the 4K UHD disc is not affected. We are in the process of manufacturing corrected copies and will be making replacements available to all of our customers. We hope to have replacement discs ready to ship before the end of the year. Hey, oh, that's okay. You know, everybody makes mistakes. I mean, it's embarrassing as hell that the biggest boutique label fucked up their big first 4K. I mean, I know it's the Blu-ray disc, but it's still the set. Like, they fucked, they fucked up. They fucked up. That's, it's an embarrassment. I, I think it's an embarrassment. I think they should be ashamed of themselves, honestly. But you know what? Whatever. They ha- Everybody's had that issue. Arrow's had that issue. Shout Factory, for sure, has had that issue. Kino sometimes has that issue. They don't even replace it. They don't give a shit. Um, but, you know, K- Criterion, they're quick to come out and say, you know, we're going to replace your disc. Da, da, da. Here's where it gets real bad, though. This is where it gets real bad for me, and this is where it just really grinds my gears. The next mo- part of their statement is they say, if you would like to exchange your disc, please send the Blu-ray disc one only to, and they give their address. So in order to receive the corrected disc, you, the consumer who did not make any mistake, you just purchased their product. You now have to go through the hassle of finding an envelope to put your disc in, paying for postage, And sending it out. Now, I think they realized that this was going to be like, well, you know, maybe grind some people the wrong way. So they also did say uh, that they would when they send the replacement disc, they're going to send you a $10 gift certificate to Criterion.com. So hopefully to offset the the cost of you having to ship the disc back. But. That almost makes me even more mad. $10 to Criterion.com, that doesn't buy anything. That's just, now they've got you on the rope for another movie you're going to buy because they know that nothing is $10 on their website. They're just getting you to get another purchase. It's gross. They should be ashamed of themselves. Every other boutique label, I've had this with, I've had issues with this before. It happens. I've never had to send back the disc to get a replacement. They always just make you send in proof of purchase. That's it. You prove you got the receipt, you send them the picture, boom, you're good. I've never had to send back the disc. I think it is disrespectful. I think it is arrogant. I think it is gross. And the people that are trying to defend Criterion are sick in the head. They will defend them for anything they do. People are like, well, the reason is because this disc was affected and Criterion doesn't want people selling these discs to secondhand resale shops and then people buying it and then having a a faulty disc out there in the wild. Listen. People that are out there buying a, a un like cased disc at a secondhand resale shop, they're not going to give a fuck if there's a, a, a color contrast issue thirty minutes in. There and then even at that point, Criterion can say, "Well, it's not you know whatever they they issued the replacement. It's not like that's their final stamp. It's just gross. I think it's disgusting." I've I lost a lot of respect for Criterion after this this uh, unmitigated disaster. What a what Boo. a flop! Boo rubbish! What a Boo. flop! Boo rubbish! Yeah. <laughs> As has been said about Spider Man in the past, he stinks, and I don't like him. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, thank you so much, Brad, for for blowing the doors open on on the Criterion K case. Uh, because holy shit, I was not aware of that at all. Uh, this 
particular release was on my radar. I actually was going to blind buy I was too. Citizen Kane. Yeah. Totally was, but now I have to pause for a second and think about that because yeah, I I don't want to deal with that horseshit. No. No. It's a yeah, pain. Espe- especially your your point about the the $10 thing. It's like that's that on in theory and on paper is is a gesture, but when you think about it, it's like Good luck getting a Criterion disc for less than twenty five dollars. Yeah, if it if it had been a, a tw- if they had done twenty dollars, because then when they're when they have their half off sales, that I I can respect that. If they, I mean, it w- would have been a lot to give, I think, but that I would I would have given them full respect. I would have said, you know what, that's I can I can deal with that. But ten dollars, well, no, that's you well, you tried and, to and cheap then, out. And then the shipping though. Like like yeah. ten ten dollars for your your average person to get an envelope, get postage to try it try it out to the mailbox. Most people don't just have like a bubble mailer laying around their home. Yeah. They have to go out and buy that. Those things cost money. Postage costs money, and that ten dollars quickly turns into five dollars. And then again, five dollars applied to a Criterion purchase. It's like ooh, I paid for twenty percent of a disc. <laughs> I will say now, I you know I was shitting on Criterion. I will say this this was pretty hilarious to me. Uh, I don't know. I think it might have been on their Facebook. Somebody commented, and they said. Can I snap the disc in half and put it in a regular envelope and send it to you? And they did say you can do that. So to be fair, they you know that's fine. They just they don't want these discs out in the wild. I guess. Yeah, I, I guess if you if you want to protect your rep or something, I, I guess that's a, something they would put a premium on. But th- that is kind of hilarious, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that the, the, they would think to ask about that because, yeah, you will save money on postage. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, I think it goes to show that the, how stupid their handling of it is that people got to well, snap the fucking discs in half. To se- yeah. like, what gross. Even then, it's you fucked up. It should not be on me, even if it is just a regular envelope. That's still an inc- I I don't think I have any envelopes, blank envelopes lying around my apartment. Like I said, like who I I happen to have stuff like that, but very few people probably would. Yeah. Like like a mailer that could fit a disc, like something oblong shaped like that. Like no. Like most people would have to run out and buy that and it, it if especially if you only buy one, it's going to cost more than normal and it will add up to probably about half of that gift or gift certificate you got if it's not gross. more it is gross and it's funny because you, you were comparing criterion to the yankees and it's like yes they like they are kind of the top tier like they kind of set the standards for for physical media releases in this day and age and it's like <laughs> it's like seeing superman shit his pants or something Honestly, man. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's, it's bad it's so embarrassing yeah, yeah. no it, it's embarrassing i i hope they get they get everything together and relatively quickly though because i actually do want to give them my money for for this particular release but not 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 right now yeah i'll be Um, waiting for the next sale i'm it'll probably be fixed by then but man what a what a disaster yeah for real but um in addition to that botched criterion release we also have some others that unless brad has some some other (laughs) comments to add as far as i understand these releases are fine they're clean uh we also have uh, uncut gems uh, from the Safdie brothers from 2019 on 4K. Uh, our first collaboration. Yeah, Brad? it was. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Uh, Brad was kind enough to invite me onto the Cinema Speak podcast, and this was the first film that we ever talked about. So, um, actually, this was also on my list of of criteria. I don't buy Criterion very often, but 
the 4K angle was was working for me. Like this is worthy of celebration. It, it got me kind of jazzed about spending a few extra bucks uh, to pick up a 4K disc from them. And now, if, well, that not that one, but they maybe Uncut it. Gems will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So as far as I understand, Uncut Gems is fine, and I might actually just run out and grab this one because I. I really, really enjoyed this movie, and mm-hmm. I'm excited to check it out again, especially on 4K from a c- company like Criterion. In addition to that, we also have Menace to Society from 1993, also on 4K. Uh, this was a, uh, looks like a Albert and Alan Hughes film. Um, it's funny, because the, the title of this one feels like I know this movie, but honestly, I don't know that I do. <laughs> it's just, I, I'm like tricking myself because there's other similarly titled movies from the same vintage, like yeah. from the early 90s that I get I would get confused with, like say, Boys in the Hood, or um, of course there is the, the parody film of films of this nature that has an ungodly long title that Kyle can just spit out, like like just without even thinking mm-hmm. all i remember is it don't be a menace yeah that's the that's the only part of that title i remember but kyle could tell you the whole thing just like that um but yeah i don't know this film but again if it's put if it's put out by criterion it's probably worth your time especially if it's one of the very first 4ks they put out um but sandwiched between all that we also have another 4k god damn trying to get all my money uh for a film that i I might actually just like run out and get this right away. Uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1978. This movie's fucking awesome. I love this movie. I love uh, it this, too. Um, this was another. Um, I feel like I'd bring this up every episode of the show. Uh, this was another one of those movies that uh, good old dad uh, had me see when I was probably a little too young, uh, but it stuck with me. See, this uh, was this, a, a mom. My mom had me watch. Well, she didn't have. I think I picked it out, but she watched it with me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I actually like. It, I'm. I think it would be curious to to grow up in a household where you you don't have that kind of relationship with your parents. Like I, I think a lot of my favorite memories of watching movies came from like watching them with my my folks when I was younger and like having them hype it up as being like, oh, you gotta see that. And this was kind of one of those movies. My dad was super hyped about me seeing this. He was like, oh, it's gonna. F- fuck you up <laughs> like, i was like yeah it sure did but it was awesome i i'm really excited to check this movie out because i haven't seen it since i was a little kid oh, but wow. it is it is really stuck with me um and as far as i understand its reputation just really held up over the years uh, so that's that's one i'm going to be pe- picking up as well and then we also have the adams family with more mamushka which again as i previously stated i don't even know what the fuck it is but I, sure you Shut up and take my money. <laughs> and speaking of twenty twenty uh, two thousand and one films that need a, a re release in twenty twenty one, apparently Evolution, uh, from Ivan Reitman. That actually might be why this is coming out. In addition no, to the yeah. the twenty year thing, like twenty years is a big deal, but also the fact that we have a Jason Reitman film in the form of Ghostbusters Afterlife coming out like right around this time. Uh, I don't think anybody especially loves Evolution. It is kind of analogous to like a Ghostbusters, uh, but like an early 2000s edition of it. Um, good score, <laughs> actually. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, John Powell uh, did the soundtrack for it, and he's uh, he, he he's weird because he's mostly known as like a DreamWorks animation studio composer. Like he does like all the How to Train Your Dragon movies and stuff like and Kung Fu Panda and stuff like that, but. Aside from that, I like his action scores. He just kind of stopped doing them at some point. But this this was this was 
an offering from him that has some pretty it, it's, it's a banger as yeah. you would say Brad. <laughs> i watched this a lot at a young age really um, yeah i mean i wasn't super young but uh yeah i watched i saw this in theaters and i had it on dvd and it was a regular rotator for me i don't know why um but it just it is watchable it is very watchable. yeah as a, as a young boy it kind of hit a nice sweet spot of comedy action a little bit of like you know a slight tinge of horror element to yeah. it uh sci-fi so yeah it kind of it's got all the beats in there um i, I don't think it's i don't think it's essentially a bad film I, I just think like it's not very well remembered by most people yeah like it's like one of those things they have to people have to squint and be like oh that happened that's mm-hmm. right it's like yeah that that did happen it was fine <laughs> but yeah i i don't think it's a bad film um we have a uh 4k release of the hills have eyes from arrow uh that's a I hesitate to call it a classic, but it is a well-regarded horror film from Wes Craven. Um, we have <laughs> a lesser Mel Brooks film in the form of Dracula, Dead and Loving It, from 1995, with everybody's favorite, Leslie Nielsen. Um, not one of my favorites, but I certainly did watch it, because, you know, it's what you did. Um, we have a Night Gallery, season one. Uh, that is a man whose works I would like to look into a little bit more. Uh, Rod Serling, uh, his contributions to to media were have been immense, like had been immense. Um, but sadly, I, I'm not super familiar. Like I've I've seen my fair share of old Twilight Zones, but I I didn't really follow uh, everything after that. But I've heard good things about this. Um, we have Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge uh, from Arrow, it's a 1989 release. Uh, what do you think of that cover art, Brad? Um, it's uh not bad. It's it feels quite. Uh, I don't know who, which artist did it, but I'm assuming it's uh, an artist who works with them a lot because it feels very, very much of the Arrow releases. Like I feel like I've seen very similar covers to this. Yeah, I I I know what you're getting at. I can't quite put my finger on it, but it's it's like it's almost awesome. Yeah, but it's just not quite there. Um, we have. The Ten Commandments on 4K. This is uh, the 65th anniversary edition, and this includes both the 1923 and 1956 iteration of the film, as far as I understand. Hmm. Interesting, yeah. Or at least, it, or at least, it contains material from that time period. Uh, this was one of those movies that you know I probably should have seen. I just never did. Um, but then again, like religion and the bible weren't really a, a thing in my household um honestly the only thing i've seen from this movie is the uh was it the pillar of salt and uh or pillar of fire and the parting of the red sea it was because I, I i was like in like some sort of film class and they showed us like th- those shots as an example of uh, antiquated special effects technology mm-hmm. and that was cool but i I mean, and I do like Yul Brynner. Yul Brynner's always awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a someday for me. This is like a you you should see that even if you're not religious kind of movie for me. Um, now I toss it back to you, Brad. What jumps out at you? Well, I mean, uh, I've unfortunately timed the Woody Allen collection. Um, <laughs> uh, there's also a new release of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, um, which of course has been out before. Something yeah, called. Thanksgiving movie. Yeah, so, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, something called Stingray from 1978. I don't know much about this. Uh, do you? I don't, but I love this cover. Yeah, it's pretty good. Damn, that's. I mean, 
Uh, do the kids still say tight? <laughs> I think some of them do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I really love this cover. It's awesome looking. Um, I'll also just mention uh, there's a movie called All or Nothing, which is a film by Mike Lee. Mike Lay? Mike Lee? I don't oh. totally know how uh, you say it. It's got a familiar face on the cover, but uh, yeah, I, I couldn't tell you. I would say Lee. Yeah. Or, yeah, Lay. <laughs> it's uh, interesting. You know, he's uh, made... Um, some notable films, some uh, award-winning films and stuff. Uh, just a weird release from Severin. It, it is coming out through Severin. Very odd release for them. I'm assuming it must have been something with like rights. They got a, like uh, they paid for a, a group of films or something um, to include some of their you know normal genre fare. And this that's usually how those deals go down. It's like yeah, we'll give you that. But you gotta take this. Yeah, this, uh, <laughs> I can't imagine uh, Severin's base is gonna be all that interested in all or nothing. Um, but you know, might be worth checking out. I mean, who knows? Maybe Timothy Spall. Maybe he's he like hits it big with like I don't know, eighteen to to twenty eight year old females or something. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, beside that, uh, we have a film that I currently have uh, in in transit. It's on its way. I already paid for it. Uh, this is uh, Benny Chan's uh, last film. I think he passed away during post-production, uh, maybe even during production. But this is a Raging Fire from 2021, and uh, this is headlined by Donnie Yen um, and also features uh, Nicholas Say, uh, who is a frequent collaborator with uh, Donnie Yen and other action icons from Hong Kong cinema. He's not a trained martial artist from what I understand, but he has been on the set for so many of these fucking movies that he's he's kind of like turned into like a, a Keanu Reeves of sorts where he just like got good at it and so like he's just retained all the skills he's picked up over the years so it's like he never like really applied himself to like true like martial arts disciplines but it's like hey I can fight on screen it may, I can make it look good um but yeah this this was a big hit in the in Hong Kong and China um kind of a throwback uh to a certain era of Hong Kong cinema that Unfortunately, we don't get a taste of very much uh, these days. So any any chance to touch that world again is one that I'll ja- I'll jump at. Uh, and I've heard very very good things about this. I'm I'm super excited to check this out. Uh, look up a trailer if you want to get a taste for what sort of action spectacles in there. It's very very tooth and nail kind of stuff. Just like lots of punching, lots of lots of uh, lots of gunshots, and just fists <laughs> like that's all that's all i need i don't i don't need like avengers shit i don't need like special effects or cgi i just want people getting put through walls <laughs> like that, that's that's why i watch movies that's where it's at um yeah i'm i'm super excited it should be here uh friday i think so whatever i'm doing on friday i'm not going to be doing that uh you know, i'm going to be watching this <laughs> uh, but moving right along uh we have a uh this is not the first time this has been on Blu-ray, and, and I think it, the rights to it have passed between multiple uh, houses. Uh, but we have Howl from Beyond the Fog, which is not a feature-length film as far as I understand. I think it's a short, but uh, if they're doing it right, they will include like some making-of or behind-the-scenes featurettes on the disc. Uh, this is a, a Japanese uh, daikaiju or like giant monster film um, that... I followed like the the Twitter account of of the people working on, like the technicians working on this film, and if you're into like old fashioned tokusatsu like like 
man in rubber monster suit style special effects, uh, you really ought to check this one out because it looks to be very special. Um, but like I said, multiple editions of this exist. This is certainly not the first time it's come out, even in this country. Um, we have Immoral Tales from Arrow. Um, we have Little Fish 2020. Uh, and then we have another Chinese film, which uh, apparently just destroyed the box office, which tends to happen anytime uh, Wu Jing or Jing Wu, I, f- I forget the order of like his name, his surname, or his uh, his first name. But anyway, anytime this guy makes a movie, essentially China just like open China collectively opens all of their wallets <laughs> and goes to the theater because he did. Uh, it started with the Wolf Warrior films. Wolf Warrior Two made like literally a billion dollars just in China or something, um, and then The Wandering Earth even found its way over to Netflix. It's a uh, based on a a Chinese sci-fi novel. It's about like the I think like they have to they have to create giant engines on the earth to like literally move it out of the sun's orbit or something um but it's like a massive sci-fi blockbuster from china um anytime this guy makes a movie basically china the chinese cinemas collect a billion dollars um and this film the 800 from 2019 uh is apparently about like a i mean it's basically a war story about like a a unit in the chinese military during world war ii fighting the japanese as far as I understand, the title is the 800, but actually the number of participants was actually 400 or less. And the idea was they pretended to be numbering about 800, and it, oh. it's it, it's Thermopylae. It, it's 300, but Chinese edition, basically. Yeah. And the subject matter paired with like all the, well, basically just the subject, subject matter is all you need to make a billion dollars off of that in China. Um, but yeah, I, I'm curious about this film, but I don't know, I'd not especially interested in it i'll stick with raging fire for now but um brad i'll kick it back to you you got anything else for this week or you want to move on down i think we can move on down i think that's about all for uh this week all right so next week is november 30th and our first major release is uh shang chi and the legend of the ten rings so continuing the chinese themed releases uh for the last couple weeks here of november uh this is of course an mcu film and brad you reviewed this one for your show correct yeah yeah reviewed it um and uh i liked it i i liked it more than black widow um so i think was there another marvel movie this year oh eternals yeah so i would say this was probably my uh, favorite marvel movie um at least in the mcu to come out this year i didn't love it but I did think uh, I liked the bus fight. Did you see this yet, or I haven't actually? I thought there. I, sh- I should have. Like you would expect me to be the guy who would run out to go see this, but no, I haven't. <laughs> well, uh, I did like the bus fight. There is a bus fight early on that I thought was fun, and uh, you know maybe stretched itself a little thin, as in like uh, some of the uh, stunts and effects were looking a little, a little sketchy. Uh, but um, I, I had. A- pretty good time it's a little long i think it loses momentum a lot in the middle um but it it's fine it's you know it's kind of right in that marvel wheelhouse it's not great but uh it's it's fine it's good it's good it's fine and what else is there to say i mean I, i've been saying it for years I, I i refer to it as marvel good yeah like the, the like that like there's there's star ratings and then there's marvel good it's just like it's basically just across the board, just like two and a half, 
three stars, whatever scale you're working from. It, it's adequate cinema, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it'll tide you over until nine months from now when the next one comes out. I, I give this one, I'll say, I give this one a 3.5, but that's because I gave Black Widow a 3, and I did like this one slightly more, so I, it's a light 3.5 for me. I follow the logic. Yeah. I would do the same thing if I was rating them. Yeah. But um, yeah, I have heard kind of across the board the uh, the bus fight is a standout in maybe all of the MCU, honestly, in terms of like set piece moments. Yeah, there's some fun um, ideas there. It's 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 a good sequence. Yeah, I, I, it tickled me a little bit to see uh, everybody's favorite Romanian in Hollywood, uh, Florian Montano uh, from uh, Creed Two. Uh, I believe he is in the bus fight, or at least I'm pretty sure I'd noticed him in the trailer anyway. But weird question for you, Brad. Simu Liu, does he got the goods? Does he have juice? Boy, I can't remember what I said. <laughs> I think Ouch. I said I liked him. I think I said he was okay. Um, okay, because like, my brother and I made a little... We were harassing our mom uh, at the dinner table because we were showing her pictures of Simu Liu. Because she's she's always on the lookout for her her next Asian American leading man. Because uh, we don't get many of those, and like her whole life, like she, she's always keeping her eyes out. Like <laughs> so, so like my brother and I at the dinner table were like showing her pictures. We're like, what, does this guy does, does this guy do anything for you? And she's like, Oh God, no! <laughs> I was like, Damn! <laughs> yeah. Like, ouch! And she was just like, Yeah, he's there's nothing there. I was like, Well, maybe you gotta see him in motion or something. Who knows? But. Yeah, I'm curious what my assessment of Simu Liu will be because from what, I, what, what I've seen in the trailers and some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, it's like he's got the moves, but does he got the juice? Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll give my assessment probably not on the podcast. Um, so maybe you'll hear about it, maybe you won't. But yeah, I'm, I'm actually kind of curious to see how this one is. Um, but uh, beside that, we have Heaven Can Wait, uh, which of course features uh, Warren Beatty, uh, also in the director's seat. Uh, this is from 1978. Uh, we have uh, *Malignant* from 2021, which I do know that you did review uh, for the *Cinema Speak* podcast. Um, I'm kind of kicking myself. I had meant to watch this because it's like everything that was being said about it. I was like, you know, I think I could have fun with that. I know, I know, Kyle would hate this. <laughs> <laughs> like he would, he would just throw whatever is in the room at the television. But yeah, for me, it was that. like. That sounds like my kind of dumb. (laughs) I think I can get down with that, but I haven't got around to it just yet. Um, I will point out that I don't think I heard anyone like across the multiple movie podcasts I listened to bring up that uh, Zoe Bell uh, is in the film. Like that was important for me because I noticed her in the marketing. I was like, hey, that's Zoe Bell wearing a shitty mullet. Oh, Um, I didn't even realize that was Zoe Bell. I mean, she's wearing a very shitty mullet. (laughs) And then there's a woman with a a very large afro that uh, is very eye-catching. Like, like she kind of draws your eye. But, yeah, I was like, yeah, that's totally Zoe Bell over there. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I I didn't even catch that that was her. Yeah, but as soon as you said she's in it, I immediately knew who you were talking about. But, wow, yeah, well. And it's kind of funny, too, because, like, I I had the entire movie spoiled for me, like, over over the... past several months and whatnot so like my interest level has started to peter out as a result but even before that having seen her in the trailer i was like someone's gonna get hurt there (laughs) it's like you don't like she is a pretty good actress but like you don't put her in that scene unless someone's about to get hurt Mm -hmm. (laughs) so like when i found out what goes down in that scene i was like ah (laughs) yeah suspicions confirmed yeah i gotta Um, say though uh quite disappointing no 4k release on this one blu-ray only 
Pretty lame. Yeah, that is shocking. That is kind of shocking. Maybe, maybe the cost of production was asking too much or something. But I yeah. mean, being as it was broadcast via HBO Max, it's definitely exists in the 4K format. Yeah, maybe I mean, not the greatest of quality, but it does exist. They put The Conjuring 3 out on 4K. They couldn't put uh, this one? Come on. You think James Wan, he's got enough pull at Warner Brothers? Come on, bud. Yeah, for real. No, yeah. he he makes them so much money. That's an, so, I'd be embarrassed so for him. His produced Conjuring 3 piece of garbage gets 4K and not his actual directorial effort in 2021. That's embarrassing. That is real embarrassing. That feels wrong, it, honestly. Yeah, it's, just, it's not right. Hmm. They did him wrong. <laughs> did him dirty. Yeah. Uh, we have a release of Red's 40th Anniversary Edition from Paramount. Uh, holy shit. Uh, and speaking of things that I should be aware of, but am simply not, uh, just looking at the cast, Warren Beatty, also director, Diane Keaton, Jack Nicholson, and everybody's favorite, Paul Sorvino. Not the bath! <laughs> not the bath! <laughs> um, uh, I, without knowing a damn thing about the movie, just that cast is enough to get me interested. Um, and we have a film that we... I don't. Did we both end up reviewing this for our respective podcast, Brad? Saint Maud. I think we did. Yeah. 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 Uh, both Brad and I, ended, like on our own shows, uh, respectively, uh, ended up reviewing this uh, horror film, Saint Maud, a uh, psychological horror film. Uh, I quite enjoyed it. It is. It is indeed qualified to be certified fresh. Uh, I'm kind of surprised to see it coming out now, because um, it it did come out in 2019, but I guess it just had maybe some issues finding distribution it had a real weird release with covid and I mean, ah, it was yeah. it was all over the place i don't know i don't know what year this actually came out because the 2019 i think is actually just a, a festival release yeah um, yeah yeah it was supposed to be like an early 2020 release and then i think maybe it got a late 2020 release but i i don't know it's a, it's a mess huh yeah it I hadn't thought about that, but you're absolutely right. The release for it probably was not the cleanest uh, that ever was. I had to sign up uh, for Epics to watch this. That's how messed up that release was. What a disaster that was. <laughs> I think I lucked out and I was able to rent it through one of the major streaming services or something. But yeah, yeah I've I've certainly done my fair share of like random signups to like fringe streaming services just to watch some piece of shit movie. Yeah. Thankfully, St. Maud was good, but that is a roundabout way to get to it. When we chose to review it, it was an Epics exclusive Oh and fuck! <laughs> I, I feel like, and also there was like no Epics app that to watch no, it, like on my Xbox no. or something. So I had to like, I had to actually like stream it from my computer, hook it. Like it was just a pain. Like what the hell? Jesus. Um. So moving on down, we have a Vinegar Syndrome release of Shattered Dead. Um. <laughs> I love that the name of the person whose name is attached to every credit imaginable is Scooter McRae. That's, <laughs> that's how you know you're dealing with quality. Um, we have Death of Nintendo from 2020. This is an Altered Innocence release. Are, th- are they an affiliate of Vinegar Syndrome? Yeah, they're one of their partner labels. I guess real quick here, I'll, I'll just mention, and we don't need to get into th- these much, but if we jump back up to nope. November 26, because they're releasing for uh, bl- on Black Friday for Vinegar Syndrome sale, there are a few Vinegar Syndrome releases here. Uh, Flesh oh, for please. Frankenstein 4K, uh, Trauma. Uh, which is a Dario Argento film. We've got uh, several partner labels. We don't need. I don't. Even, I don't have much to say. So we'll, I won't even mention those. And then also uh, Creature, 
which I believe is like an alien ripoff. Uh, so those... I've actually seen this movie. Oh, you have? Okay. I have, actually. I'm assuming it's terrible, but... It's it's not terrible. It's just kind of like not not remarkable, Okay. I guess. Yeah. But, no, it's not god-awful or anything. It's just like... Also, one thing that's interesting is that, like, one of the most common complaints about the movie is, like, previous releases were muddy. It's very difficult to make out what the fuck you're supposed to be looking at. So maybe this is gonna this real good. Yeah, yeah. So maybe it'll improve it. Maybe it'll make it a whole lot worse. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there are also, I think, two more uh, surprise releases coming that are still a secret. So they're going to be announced uh, on Black Friday. So you know, check out Vinegar Syndrome site to see what those are. I think one of them is also going to be a, a 4K. I think at least one more. So huge. Okay. Yeah, look forward to that. They always do good work, so yeah. definitely keep tabs on that. Um, we have a release of Cyclone from 1987, which I only am aware of because uh, the Red Letter Media folks, the guys from Wisconsin, as I often refer to them, uh, reviewed it back in the day. I think Jeffrey Combs has a, a bit role in there, um, as well as, I think, Oscar winner Martin Landau. Uh, <laughs> I think he's also in there, if, if memory serves. Um a.k.a. Bea Lugosi. Um, and I think that's about all I got, Brad, unless there's anything else you want to highlight. The last thing I'll highlight, I don't have much to say about it, but uh, we've got the the Nasty Habits, the Nunsploitation Collection, which is a <laughs> Severin release. Uh, kind of curious about this. I've never uh, really dug into Nunsploitation uh, proper, but I know, like you know, there's. I think, uh, what is it? Is it? Um, I can't think. Is it? Uh, the who directed RoboCop? Um, Paul Verhoeven. I I think d- Paul Verhoeven. Does he have a a nun movie coming out this year? Is it? He um, does. Okay, he does. I, I I forget the title, but like remember Dutch Girlfriend. So anytime Dutch shit yeah. pops up on my newsfeed, I always have to be like, hey, I pay attention. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> like I get him and Paul Schrader mixed up in my head sometimes. So I knew one of them had a nun, somewhat nunsploitation coming out this year. Um, you're right; it is Paul Verhoeven. Uh, Paul yeah, Schrader yeah. had a different movie that came out this year. So, okay, well, nunsploitation. You can get your fix uh, in November 2021. Check. <laughs> yep. Uh, so that's about it for the calendar. But as uh, is customary, we will wrap things up here with just a recitation of uh, any titles that Brad and I might be interested in picking up this month. Uh, so I'm going to give Brad a second to collect his thoughts, so I'll just uh, track backwards through the release calendar. Uh, and I will note that I, I will be picking up Shang-Chi. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm on board with the MCU uh, in terms of physical media releases. I have all the others. I may as well get this one. And I haven't seen it, so may as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm going to go 4K on that one. I've actually kind of been like relaxing on 4K purchases of MCU movies mm-hmm. just cuz I feel like they're they're never truly astounding like in terms of their picture quality anyway and I may as well just save a buck. Uh so I I probably just go with the Blu-ray on that one. Yeah. Uh that Reds movie um damn that cast uh really does jump out at me. Uh, Malignant I do want to watch though I'm not going to buy the Blu-ray I'll, I'll cross my fingers and hope that's still available on HBO or comes back or something um, Raging Fire like I said is going to be in my mailbox by the end of the week um, Citizen Kane 
and uncut gems on 4k i i would very much like to get uh it's all but confirmed that i'll be getting those although citizen kane apparently i gotta wait a minute Ooh. yeah uh adam's family with more mamushka edition i'm gonna probably be upset with myself but i'm <laughs> i'm gonna buy it um invasion of the body snatchers as well um, I'm actually pretty confident in opening my wallet for that one. I'm, I'm, I haven't looked into the specs of the disc, but it, either way, it would just be nice to see that movie again. It's been on my mind for whatever reason. Um, absolutely not going to be picking up the Lord of the Rings Middle Earth 31 disc Avoid. Ultimate Edition. Avoid at all costs. <laughs> um Mad Max anthology is is a big maybe, actually. Uh, because, like I said, I only have Fury Road, and it's just on Blu-ray. And I've been looking for an excuse to check out those those other Mad Max titles. So now might be the time for that. Um, Doomed Megalopolis. Uh, I I might actually buy that. Like I did see it when I was young, um, but the subject matter is interesting to me. It's it it's like interesting, like historical speculative fiction type stuff. So it, it could be fun to revisit that. It's pretty fucking gross, though, so it might also be kind of uncomfortable. Uh, so that's a maybe. Evangelion, um, there's like a super-duper edition of this that I think is coming out a little later that I, I'm curious if I'm going to have it in me to like really shell out the cash for that version uh, because it's a handsome fucking package, but it's also somewhat expensive. Uh, so I would like to own uh, in HD some version of this series, um, but that super duper special edition, Brad. Uh, if you look it up, it's it's fucking tight. Uh, <laughs> again, I, I don't I don't know if that's what the kids say anymore, but it's fucking tight. Mm-hmm. Um, what else we got? Uh, that that Dutch film, The East, is one that I'm going to try my best to remember. I'm not going to buy it, but it it's a Dutch film. May as well watch it. Make the girlfriend happy. Uh, the El Mariachi uh, box set is also a maybe. And Pig, not going to buy it, but I absolutely need to see it. Um, and I think that's about it. So that that's a lot of buys for me. Like I Normally my numbers are pretty low, so this is a, kind of an exceptional month. Um, but yeah. Brad, how about yourself? Yeah, definitely a big month. Um, I'll say the first two weeks, I don't think there's anything that I'll be popping on, i got to be honest. Um, getting down to November 16th week uh the mad max anthology like you said um it's it's definitely up there of consideration i gotta see packaging wise how this plays out i'm curious in that um candy man maybe i'll pick it up on sale uh not in a huge rush to revisit it but i would like to watch it at some point um M. Butterfly, I probably, I don't really know anything about what the movie's about, but I am a pretty big fan of Cronenberg, and I kind of have a good chunk of his films on Blu-ray already, so it's kind of like a bit of a no-brainer, I guess. Like, I gotta gotta check it out. Um, So I probably will be getting that one at some point. Um, Let's see here. Uh, You know, the Citizen Kane thing, I already talked about that, ad nauseum. Um... Invasion of the Body Snatchers, I do love this movie. Uh, I don't know, I want to get it, but I do own the Scream Factory Blu-ray. If I didn't have that Blu-ray, this would be the easiest purchase of the month for me. Uh, But, I don't know, I might hold back on that. Um, I will be getting Menace to Society, because uh, Citizen Kane, you gotta avoid it. 
And unfortunately, I already do own Uncut Gems and Mulholland Drive on Blu-ray. So that leaves this one. If I'm getting a Criterion 4K, I guess it's Menace to Society. I guess I got to do it. Um, Adam's Family, I want to get. Might hold off on it just because, uh, you know, just too many purchases going on right now. But I do want to get it. And the high marks from Blu-ray.com really pushed me to purchase it. Um, I did already uh, pre-order The Hills Have Eyes uh, 4K. Um, just waiting for it to arrive. I think it did ship. I think um, there was a bit of a delay for it. Um, not like I'm a huge fan of the movie, but you know I like Arrow's 4Ks, and the the price was right, so I uh, I dipped on that one. And then uh, I might get Saint Maud, maybe, because I I did like Saint Maud a lot. Um, but yeah, that's that's about it for me. A lot, lot of good stuff, but it's just, you know, all coming out when there's huge sales for stuff going on as well. So Yeah, it's a crazy big month and very, very diverse on top of that. But it's funny, I haven't even bothered to check next month, like what's on the horizon. Oh god. So, like I'm gonna up I hope I don't end up hating myself, like blowing my wad early and just looking at December and just being like, oh, God, <laughs> like I should have thought this through. <laughs> but either way, a lot of stuff to be excited about, uh, minus the uh, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess that's about it for the month of November 2021. So that concludes our catching up on Blu-ray. Uh, but before we go, uh, Brad, once again, thank you so much for joining me. I always appreciate having you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, and please, by all means, let the let the folks at home know where they can find you and your very awesome podcast. Well, it's the uh, Cinema Speak podcast. Uh, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Cinema Speak. We're on Twitter at the Cinema Speak. On Instagram as Cinema Speak Podcast. On YouTube as Cinema Speak. And also, you can just listen to us online at cinemaspeak.libsyn.com. Okay, very awesome. And yeah, uh, I look forward to whatever uh, YouTube videos you put out uh, in the coming <laughs> months because I, 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 I know the release schedule is erratic at best, but you know, man, I look forward to those. It's always a lot of fun seeing you, seeing you, like either do a top ten list or do an unboxing. Uh, like I said, you have very good on camera demeanor. Oh, I appreciate uh, you're very that. Very well suited for the format. I appreciate so. it. So yeah, looking forward to whatever you got uh, in the pipe, but. Um, in the meantime, though, uh, folks at home, if you'd like to uh, catch up on any of our other Catching Up on Cinema content, uh, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, you can also find us on the Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema, as well as the Twitter at Catching Cinema. Uh, so feel free to hit me up at either of those. Uh, and the show is available on pretty much every podcasting platform you can imagine. So fucking Google it. It's also on Cephalopod, by the way. Don't forget that. It's very important. Uh, <laughs> with that being said thanks so much for listening and we will catch you next time